You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Jump in right now because while we're while we're hot on that topic, I want to make sure we bring it up because that is a very cool feature, and I wanted to ask you about it because I haven't fucked around with it yet. Hey, we're live. This is episode number one hundred eighteen of the motherfucking podcast. This is, of course, the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo, motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. Yeah, I'm Aaron Howell, joined as always by. My boy Gordo, your boy Gordo. I have a brief statement I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to read from. Gordo has a brief hello, statement he'd like to hello read. Hello from my basement to all of my followers. I hope you're having a good day. That's it. End of statement. <laughs> That's the whole statement. <laughs> I've prepared a statement. <laughs> hey, uh, I just like saying I just like saying I prepared a statement. It's so funny to me. I, I so prepared formal. a statement. Is it's fun. Like, like somebody walks up to a fucking podium with a piece of paper and says, I've prepared a statement. <laughs> well, no shit, buddy. No shit. I want to start doing that when I like order takeout. Like call. I've prepared an order. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I've prepared an order. Well, you'll be preparing the order. I've prepared a statement of my order. <laughs> I have a statement of intent that, I, intent that I'd like you to sign and notarize for me. Dude, just keep a piece of paper in your pocket all the time for the sole purpose of just like pulling it out and just going, I've prepared a statement. How's it going? <laughs> then you could toss it behind you and be like, but I don't need it. We're going to go off the cuff. And then you look like a real wild card. We're just going to go completely live right now. Look, I'm going off the cuff on this because this is really serious. It was a grocery list anyway. Anyway, uh, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Uh, we made a decision kind of last minute, mostly because I slacked this week and didn't book a guest. And um, I just, at total random, hit up a friend of the show, uh, one, a guest from one of our favorite episodes, a uh, good buddy, and a guy I, I wanted to talk about kind of nerd internet stuff, and I can't think of anyone better to talk about this with than... Our good buddy, Justin LaSalle, from the band Axe Slasher via Skype. How you doing, buddy? It's good to see you. Dude, it's great to be here with you two motherfuckers on the motherfucking podcast on this motherfucking yeah. Monday. It, it's it's either Justin <laughs> yeah. LaSalle or Ben Hutcherson has really let himself go. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I think like after 30 in, in metal... Everyone starts to gravitate towards the the long hair and beard to cover up like anything happening underneath this beard, uh, anything happening here at the top of the head. You know, once it's long and you let it down, yeah, I don't know. It seems like what me, Trevor Stranad from uh, Black Dahlia Murder, Ben, uh, countless other metalheads at metal shows, we all rock basically the same template for our look because uh, I think it's the easiest to maintain when you don't maintain anything right. else. It's like old married couples who start to look the same after the while, and <laughs> they, they get the same pair of Crocs, and they're like, what? They were on special, two for one. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good deal. Dude, I, God forbid, God forbid the day my wife starts looking like a fucking nerdy Scott Ian. Like, there's, there's no fucking... Uh, it's awful. Scotty. I smell a divorce. That's fucking great. That's great. Hey, uh, we've got you for a limited time, so I wanted to jump right in. Uh, before we went live, you were kind of talking about um, Bandcamp and yeah. the new the new feature that Bandcamp is offering. Um, I've been getting emails from some of the bands that I follow on there, and uh, you know, I don't check them, but. I'm wondering if a lot of people who follow those bands do, and what your experience has been with them, and uh, and and what. Uh, tell me a little bit about these new features that that you've been seeing or that you've been working with. Yeah, we just released a pre-order for uh, the first vinyl that we're officially releasing uh, of a live album that comes out on Halloween called Dead Alive, and that was a whole new experience for us because you know independent band we don't have a label never have probably won't unless we can find like something really interesting in terms of relationship wise but seeing these new tools that are out there you know we wanted to do a pre-order we've always thought about it and since it's our first like real physical full-length release we decided to go for it on Bandcamp. and in my experience like we put out tons of digital singles tons of digital stuff on Bandcamp, and those automatic emails from anyone who's ever purchased or downloaded for free or any of that kind of stuff from your Bandcamp. It's been weird with the digital because it's hard to get a read. And I think that doing a physical release actually kind of showed the power of it. And it showed that, like, shit, we should probably should have been doing physical releases all along. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, who would have thought? But uh, the response to that, I mean, before we even announced that the pre-order was out, we were already um, making sales. So, like, as soon as that button was clicked, people were ready and, and willing to check it out. Personally, and we always follow that up with a bunch of complicated digital shit, like... Um, you know, email blast through MailChimp and all sorts of social stuff. And we even go into that creepy pixel tracking for certain things, like people that come to our website. <laughs> creepy pixel camp. tracking. Uh, hey, nobody, hey, you got to know who your demographic it. is. That's right. right. And, and uh, it works. It sure does yeah, work. Unfortunately, it works. Like those profiles that they build about you are hella accurate, no matter who you think you are. Um, and anyway... That has been the most, like, I look at shit in terms of conversion. Like, are people buying? That's the metric I use of, like, did that thing actually work? And by and far, that Bandcamp auto email letting people know that there's a new item for sale has worked better than almost anything else that we have. And I think that for several reasons. I think that it bypasses a lot of people's, like, spam features from whatever magic they've put into it in that way. And it's also people that have already made some sort of small commitment to the band. They've either purchased like something digital, they purchased a t-shirt before. All those things are going to like show that small bit of commitment where they put some skin in the game. They put some money on the line or at least put their email on the line by downloading something for free versus you could blast all day on Twitter. You could blast all day on Facebook and you're going to get a like what 0.2% return on that. Uh, You know, you're lucky if I get zero return off of Twitter. So that's (laughs) yeah. Yeah, like yeah. what is it? Five thousand. You you know, on your admin side, you're seeing those metrics. You're like, wow, that tweet was seen by five thousand people. Uh, of those five thousand people, four hundred clicked on the link, and one purchased like the thing. You know, dude, I don't it's, even see that. Like, I'm pretty much just yelling into the ether when I post anything on Twitter. <laughs> it's that's made what me, I love about Twitter, dude. Like, it's made me feel a lot more confident <laughs> about what I'm putting out there. It's like nobody fucking cares, dude. And just blah. <laughs> 
It's like yeah, stuff that's not even associated with the band. You know, it doesn't matter. I followed I followed Gordo's lead on that one. It <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just just journal. Just journal to your heart's content. No one's gonna give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Scream it out. <laughs> Scream it out. Let people know. Scream into the uh, void. It feels good. So I Funny, should. The real goal is to get popular enough that those old crazy tweets actually come back to haunt you, right? Oh like god, <laughs> dude, that's the real goal. Oh sure. I'm building sure, a storehouse of skeletons wait. as we speak, man. That's my main goal. Is I'm in I the skeleton. Wait. I'm in the skeletoning phase right now, and uh, about 20 years from now, I think I'll have enough skeletons to be famous. I'm there thinking. You go. Yeah, yeah. I need to wait till my son's tell-all book comes out, um, and and he tells the world what what a bastard I was. Like then after that comes out, people start digging up and then all of a sudden my Spotify numbers go up. That's how it works. There you go. There you yeah. go. I'm definitely buying that tell all book, by the Dude, way. Just, Even if he writes it at like four years old, I'll still buy that book. I just <laughs> dug into my main demographic, which appears to be the, the the main followers I get, the biggest chunk of followers I get on Twitter is music promo. Oh, you! I saw I saw the post you put up about that. <laughs> and I was that. just like, I'm blocking all of you. Fuck you. You know, if you like, I just wrote a big like fucking agenda. You know, I saw that statement yeah. about that. And um, I've prepared said, a hey, statement fuck. for all of you. Yeah, I've prepared, prepared a tweet. A statement. Fuck you. That you can't you know? see because I blocked you. Yeah, yeah. And now you can't see it because I blocked you. you know? God, and they're getting so crafty too, man. Because like. I'll get the emails and it's, you know, they deliberately throw in one of your song titles in there and they come off like they're real person. And they're like, they're like, our company reaches thousands of industry contacts every day and blah, 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 blah. And have you considered placement for media and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I really enjoyed your song Bun Crusher Deluxe. Yeah. (laughs) I listened to it on SoundCloud. And it was amazing. We would love to promo this item to it's the like, world. Hey, failing musician, we know exactly <laughs> what all of your insecurities are. We know exactly the email you're waiting for. Well, here that it is. That would get a lot more respect from me, I'll tell you right now. That would get a lot more respect from me. It's like, just yeah. call it as you see it, okay, buddy? I'm definitely emailing back the person who's like, yeah, I checked out your shit, and here's all the problems with it. X, Y, and Z. I'll be like, oh, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. Sick. Let's go. Totally. Do you want to come work for us? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you want to write a song for us? <laughs> that would be funny to take the music. Like, if you get panned in a review, turn it around and be like, all right, dude, you get one song on the next album. Let's see what you got. <laughs> It's like the equivalent of a comedian going like, you got jokes, come up on stage. And who yeah, knows, yeah. maybe they write a song that blows you out of the water. Highly doubt it, but yeah. you never know. Exactly. So you were, like so that, you've been, uh, you were talking about, um, about Bandcamp, and for some reason I got it twisted in my brain where I was thinking about the new feature on Bands in Town where, <clears throat> where, where people are, are sending stuff out. But now that I realized, like, after you started talking about Bandcamp, I was like, oh, man, you know what? We don't even have a band camp, I don't think. I think yeah, we nor, nor do we. We don't like, have one either. We may have started one. I know the label started one for our our last release, but that's it. And I'm you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about is uh, I watched that documentary, The Social Dilemma, on Netflix, which I advise everybody watch. It contains a lot of the stuff that we've talked about on this podcast numerous times and uh 
uh, conveys it in a way that is, I think, more accessible to uh, influencer culture, to be frank. You know, Netflix documentaries are to Instagram influencers and social media influencers in general as, like, academic papers are to actual scholars. So I'm, like, hoping that basically drawing the public a picture of what what it looks like it'll it'll get people to start having more of these conversations we can talk more about that uh, as we go on but i've been trying to think about alternatives to being on the social platforms and and i've been seeing more and more bands kind of flocking over to bandcamp and it's really cool that you're seeing that kind of performance because i've mentioned this in a few episodes really the only thing that's enabled me to kind of squirm out of the grip that social media has had on me is the fact that if you were, you know, for a, such a long time, it was like, if you're in a band and you're not on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, then you might as well not exist. Yeah. And the only thing that has made made me able to kind of wriggle loose even to the to the degree that I have is the fact that it stopped performing the way that I wanted to. And what it's yeah. sounding like is that Bandcamp actually seems to be performing the way I think a lot, like seems to be a bit more level than maybe some of the other platforms are. What do you what do you think oh, about you, that? You mean like Reverb Nation? <laughs> yeah, Reverb Nation, that's the one. Dude, we're we number one in metal! We did it! We're number one in rock and roll Shit. for a region! They we should just, did it! They should just quit it. They should just call it... They should just take over MySpace. They should just call it MySpace now. <laughs> they you know? really should. They really should. Well, so so tell me tell me uh, your, some of your thoughts on that, Justin, on on the prospects of an exodus and like what some of the options might be and like some of the some of the other benefits you've noticed from like can you work off of a platform like Bandcamp and exclude some of these ethically, socially, um, psychologically unhealthy platforms, demonstrably unhealthy platforms? Yeah. Well, Here's the thing is that Bandcamp itself is not anywhere near the size of any of those social networks, you know, in user base and like listener base, all those kind of things. So you are sacrificing something that a lot of people value, which I don't, but which is being in front of the most eyes. And you're right. sacrificing that for the idea of being in front of the right eyes. So instead of having 10,000, 500,000, whatever your, your metric is or your goal is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those kind of things, on Bandcamp, it's more going to be like probably closer to 1,000 to 1,100, depending on you know how much effort you put into it. Any of these things, you're going to have to put effort to get audience and, and eyeballs and all those kind of things. But the cool thing about Bandcamp is that your network on there basically grows when people commit to the band. So like they get they can stream it all they want it's all free there for them depending on what your settings are but to have them like have the relationship where they can send you messages you send them messages that requires an extra layer of commitment maybe of like purchasing something or giving over their email as part of like a download uh, all those kind of things but there's several like kind of reward points for just a regular listener on Bandcamp. it's when you purchase an album your little picture shows up next to that album as like someone who supports this album. And you actually mm. like, if you're super invested in the band, you can watch that grow. You can leave little reviews and stuff like that. Um, it has all of the built in like shopping processing that you could want 
that's really easy to set up for like us dumb band dudes. That's always a plus. <laughs> right, <So> like, right. <laughs> it lets you do smart things like bundle merch with the album. So it's like, you know, you have your basic album landing page. And if you say that this is this poster should go with this album, it shows up right there. So people could decide to purchase it while they're listening to it. All these kind of smart things um, that I personally prefer. It also has like an email system that essentially lets you message everyone on the platform that's purchased from you, which is... See, that's that's like one of the things that was always missing from Facebook. It's like, I just want to reach exactly the people who have liked or follow us. Like, I just want to send a message to the people yep. who follow us. Testify, and, brother. And you can't Testify. do that. No matter, nope. like, the, like, any of the go-arounds that people have g- tried to come up with have been squashed out. Even well, paying yeah, I mean, for like, ads, you yeah, can't reach, reach your people. Reach is just plummeted over the past, like... 10 years with Facebook, like the reach is just completely plummeted for, for bands. Well, and it makes it know? not fun. It's, <laughs> you know oh, what it's, I mean? it's horribly not fun. Yeah. So competing in a, in a situation where like MF Ruckus and Axlash are competing with Coke and Pepsi. Like what fucking world does that make any sense where we're competing for like the same eyeballs and the same platform that never fucking happens and it shouldn't fucking happen. So that's why like we see our reach go down because we don't employ people to sit on that shit all day as their job with like KPIs attached to that job to post and engage the audience. So what happens is according to those networks, we get deprioritized in people's feeds because we don't come across as, as serious or, or whatever it may be. And these algorithmic iterations happen like all the time without us having any insight into it. And anytime you go into like the Facebook documentation, try and figure out how to crack the code, all you really come back with is like basically them telling you that you need to work for them for free, which is, oh, well, you should be posting every day. You should be posting this type right. of content. It should look like this. And by the way, don't put too much text on it, even though you're posting a show flyer, which traditionally across the board from, you know, 1920 to 1910 oh. has always been text and image. Oh, you just hit my that- rage button there with that yeah. one. I hate that. It's oh. like, dude, I just want to put a poster up. And yeah. and they're like, this image has too much text. The text is part of the art, you fuck. Dude, ah, so it just, it just oh, so here's another observation that. that I've made, and I don't know if this is true or not. And and you'll have to forgive me if I'm repeating myself because I can't remember if I've talked about this. But so one of the things they talked about in in the social dilemma documentary is they talked about, and I think you and I talked about this a little bit on the episode you came on. Is there is a a model created? of you in digital space and these algorithms are designed to to learn about your behavior so that they can begin to predict the behavior of the model and then change the trajectory of the model so there's like a like it's almost like the movie tron where there's like the user and then there's the user's avatar in space and um and these algorithms are represented I must say, I have to take issue. I, I don't, I really don't agree that all of these algorithms look like Pete from Mad Men. I don't buy that one <laughs> bit, okay? Sorry, please continue. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so I've been suspicious that possibly because of the fact, like, and, and again, this is like one of the only things that's made me able to kind of wriggle loose is I suspect that the fact that I have set a precedent of spending money on advertising that whatever 
special algorithm has been built around the model of me has been flagged as an advertiser, as a content creator, and that I try and promote stuff on my personal page in addition to my official band page. And so it seems as though, I don't know if it's true, but it seems as though my reach on my personal account has been throttled down as well because that type of flagging is there. Is there any such thing as that or am I just being paranoid and crazy or, or is that a reasonable assumption? No, that's a totally reasonable assumption. So it's it's not necessarily that like Aaron Howell posts on MS, MF Ruckus and then posts on Aaron Howell's page. It's more like they look at people who run pages as a whole and they look at that behavior. And if they're noticing, say, like in the tech kind of like stack of how this stuff is made, there's a product manager who's essentially the business person that runs both the tech team and the design team underneath them. So they'll be looking at these different metrics. They'll be getting all this kind of information around, like, where's the money coming from? Who spends the most? Who's And why? And then they start to monkey with that kind of stuff. And they're not necessarily looking at you personally, but they're looking at cohorts of you. So people that run pages that have bands that have similar size audiences in both spaces. And they conceivably could be looking at, like, well, have they purchased, have they purchased ads before? Mark that into a column somewhere and that factor that into something. Are right. they bypassing buying ads to post on their personal page? Well, what can we do about that? And that rolls its way through a design team who's like, well, maybe you could adjust the algorithm to, you know, deprioritize those types of posts versus when they post about their mother having cancer or they got a new dog and prioritize those right. posts over it. Like that's that's certainly could be factored in. I can't confirm that that's actually what Facebook is doing, but these people's jobs are to look at how people are actually using it at this macro scale, draw these connections between each other and change the behavior that they're not liking. So if they see that you're not purchasing ads the way you used to, well, what can we do to do that? Can we punish them in a certain way to encourage them to do that? Can we reward them in a different way to encourage them to purchase those ads again? So like, Maybe if you haven't been to ads for two months and then you go back in and purchase an ad, maybe just maybe that gets exposed to a larger audience or a more targeted audience than previously was shown before. Because, you know, we're not seeing the exact numbers in those ad managers. We're seeing estimations of those numbers. It's not the exact number of, of, of reach and click and all that kind of stuff. It's an approximation. And that's the shit that always bothers me is that it's like, just show it exactly. You're already tracking it exactly. Like right, they are tracking yeah, it exactly, exactly, and that's the exactly. terrifying show, thing. Show us the actual raw data there, you know? Yeah, because yeah, like, they've got it. Yeah. And they, they know they know everything. They know everything. <laughs> and instead they want to just be like, oh, more or less, here's, here's what you did. Like, yeah, are, yeah, are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? Okay. So, Aaron, I have a quick question for you. Right. Since you've dialed down your ad behavior, have you gotten that message that says, we realize your priorities may have changed. As a result, you may not like to see ads about getting ads or making ads. So if you'd like to, click this button right now and we won't bug you about making what? ads. What? Have, have oh. you gotten that? No. So I, I, got, I got five of those fucking things and still the fucking ads came for the ads. It, it, it just it blew my mind. I was like, you went so far 
no is way. to ask me if I do not want to see this content anymore because there's that little red button. There's that little red button. Oh, somebody said something. Somebody did. Oh, no, it's another ad for an ad. Fuck you. How many times has that happened? A million. A million. And they ask me how I feel about it. And if I want to stop that, I say, yeah. And they say, ha ha, fuck you. Yeah. I, uh, what <laughs> is you. going on? What well, is going on with so, that? So the, one of the narrative devices they used in, in this documentary was now because they can't make a whole documentary out of a bunch of Silicon Valley geeks just sitting around and going, I used to work for Google and that shit's fucking terrible. Or I used to work for <laughs> Facebook and we're straight up evil. Or I used to work for YouTube and we've hacked people's brains. Like you can only watch that for so long. So they had this this narrative device going on, which is like kind of following this family and and like the dynamics of like the different ways they're affected and how someone gets into an ideological silo and start like how they deliberately feed people content to keep them engaged uh, and, and things like that. And the, the, the young guy in the family, he ends up getting sucked into this movement called I Shit You Not. They called it the Extreme Center. And like he's like, yeah, like because because they want narrative arc in this movie is so useless. It's awful. I, I hated that. <laughs> I hated that. But ultimately, that's what it's selling. It's selling its own idea of the. I mean, beware of the extreme center, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't watch this fucking well, documentary. You'll be indoctrinated. Like, like the, the 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 main like the the reason they were doing that is they were trying to present the structural problem without presenting a bias, without presenting a political bias. And so they spent a lot of time talking about the really the 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 actual harm that has been caused. You know, they cover the situation with the Rohingya in Myanmar is probably the most uh, the most horrendous of all of them, you know, where like people actually were died, you know, people actually died, a, a genocide was attempted, you know, um, as the result of Facebook algorithms. You know, they talked about the, uh, the unprecedented level of uh, political polarization in uh, across the world. They, they talked about uh, fake news and and misinformation and I'm watching this and just seeing like what a huge like it's not just like it's an annoying kind of unhealthy thing like smoking or or you know <laughs> eating bad food it's like I'm looking at this going like this is a serious public safety public health and safety risk you know yeah but then the the one thing that comes up and I know you guys have had this thought in your mind is you're sitting there and when you've like reached your max out point and you go, I'm just going to shut it all down. I'm just going to quit. We're going to be the first band to just take a stand and go, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Then there's that one fear that pops into your head where it's like, if I do that, we might as well be scrubbing ourselves from existence. Like we will, we will cease to be able to get gigs. We will cease to be appealing to labels, or we'll we'll see we'll cease to get opportunities. We will not our the the handful of people that do follow us will not be able to find us. You know, basically, we might as well break up as a band. My question is, 
how do we overcome that one single fear that as musicians or or independent entertainers or independent business people how do we overcome that one doubt that niggling doubt in our mind that keeps us from shutting it all down which is the the responsible decision to make given given what we have come to know about social media this is all you justin figure it out yeah. let us know well i mean I do have what's the alternative i guess i have well, i actually have a thought on that so i think that like the real that fear comes up from a fear of missing out on like new opportunities and i think that the way to reframe that is to look at like out network opportunities and in network opportunities. And when I say network, I don't mean like internet network. I mean the people that you call and have relied on and worked with your whole music career. It's like, Aaron, ever since I've known you, you've been building a nationwide network of people that you could call for anything that you need when you're on tour, where whether it be like you need to set up a show, you need to a place to crash, you need to know where the good stuff to eat as. Like you've got notebooks and notebooks of contacts and people that I'm sure that you call a lot, you email a lot, and that has nothing to do with the social networks. That right, they existed in your before mind, the social networks existed. Exactly, and they still will exist if you're not on the social network. I think that that fear comes up when you start thinking about like new opportunity and like, oh well, what if, what if that that myth that someone's going to find us on the internet and make our entire career by, you know signing us to Sony off of one song that they heard on Facebook, like that doesn't really happen. Um, and I don't think that that's, that's the real, I think that that's what it is that we convince ourselves that this stuff is like a, a larger opportunity generator than it truly is. When really the opportunity generator is the people in the band, the person making the calls, sending the emails, showing up to places and, and like making those connections face to face hard to do now. But back in the day when we could go to shows like, you, the way you'd get a, a booking before the social networking is like, go to the club, go to the club a lot, find out who owns it, who books it, try to meet them, try to get in with them, try to like show some value in whatever way you can. And next thing you know, opportunities start popping up. And I think that's the, it's almost like going back to that old school way of thinking. Now, is it going to upset labels? I mean, you guys have that more to worry about than we do because we've kind of decided that, and the labels have decided that we're not right for them, and we're <laughs> and, right. Uh, they're and, not and, right. And for and us. and dude, and without a label, I mean, you you do amazing stuff, man. Like it, like you've been fully independent, and I consider you to be one of my successful friends in the business. Like I really do. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. I mean, I, I really that. do feel that way. You know, I consider that what Axe Slasher is built to be a success, and the fact that you guys are an independent independent band gives me a lot of hope at the same time you are very good at leveraging these platforms you're very good at making them work for you my my issue my major issue is i am reaching a decision point where i have to i really don't believe i'm being hyperbolic when i say that i am concerned that the way that social media works in its in its current modern iteration. I'm not saying it can't be changed. I'm not saying it can't be improved upon. I'm not saying it hasn't done great things because it has done great things. And when, when all these platforms started out, they were connecting the world and, and you know, you got to give the devil his due. At the same time, <laughs> I really am afraid that we're moving in the direction of a civil war. I really am afraid of 
corporations who have politicians in their pockets are making policy based on the way these social media algorithms are working and interacting with each other. It's, I just really feel like we're dealing, I, I feel like Frankenstein is broken out of the castle. Yeah. And no, so I, I, I don't think that's hyperbolic at all. I think that that's accurate and you can see it in like, the weird radicalization of your friends and that goes both ways, right? Like Absolutely. It goes both of, ways of, of like that siloization of I- idealistic, like thinking is like, that's because of social networks, social networks look at content almost as a meritocracy. Whereas like the best content will rise. Well, they very quickly realize that the best content is emotional content. So shit and ideological by up, nature, you know? Right. Well, that becomes the vector of attack because it's emotional. Now it becomes an ideological like vector of attack because it's like everyone's already fired up about this. Everyone's already fired up about pedophilia. So now all we have to do is pin the pedophilia on our ideological enemies. And now all of a sudden QAnon is like the biggest thing in the world. Pizzagate springs up out of that. It's like universally everyone can agree that pedophilia is a bad thing. We don't like it. We don't want it as a race or as a, not as a race, but as a the human race. We don't like that. We don't like the idea that people want to fuck kids. I, like, universally unacceptable. Right. And next thing you know, that becomes a very easy thing to convince people that like, well, you know who's really doing that though, right? It's the left-wing politicians. It's the right-wing politicians. Right. They're the ones who are like harvesting children for adrenochrome and God knows what else. And you're like, where all of this stuff gets people fired up and then the next thing you know like the only way some guys going into a pizza shop with a fucking with an assault rifle to go free the kids like that happened yeah that that, there was cases and that totally happened and like our lyrics got under review because of that stuff like you know i have the song invasion of the babe snatchers which is literally just a sci-fi story about aliens kidnapping hot women that's all the story is (laughs) and because it's called (laughs) babe snatchers that got conflated with like, wait, babes as in babies. And then they looked at like our Get t-shirt design with a pizza pentagram here, on it. And they're like, wait, these guys must be insiders. And it's like, if I was an insider, I'd be rich. You know, I'd be sniffing that adrenochrome and uh, driving in a Ferrari. But right now, you know, I live a, a working class lifestyle just like anyone fucking else. And right. I, that shit was so crazy to me to be involved in that and like looking at people pouring over my goofy lyrics that I just needed so that the song could come out. I was like, sci-fi story about aliens sounds cool. You know, like right, right, no right. meaning behind that song whatsoever, other than cool riffs, add some cool lyrics about aliens turned into, you know, four Chan posts, like pouring through this shit and like finding where I live and all this other kind of shit where it's just like, this is a weird time to be alive. And most of these people wouldn't give a damn about our, our band, our unsigned band with no financial backing other than whatever I can make outside of my job uh, would not be a threat to anyone in a different situation, unless there was a whole bunch of people getting these people emotional over this problem that everyone wants to solve and then tying it back into their ideological enemies. Well, and there's what ends up happening is like, I, I, I feel like conversation is just getting squashed out of existence because certain extreme, you know, very black and white ideological structures kind of rise to the top 
and any attempt, like, I was thinking about this, and we were talking about Yelp last night, okay? And we were talking about, we were talking about the statistics around Yelp, because one of the things that I do is I handle Google reviews and Yelp reviews and any of the direct feedback that we get from customers via our, our POS system, Toast. Like, that's one of my, that's one of my side, one of my responsibilities at, at Fire on the Mountain, right? And we were talking about the statistics about the type of people that are psychologically likely to type on Yelp. And it's either the people who are really, really mad and really want to let someone know how mad they are, or it's someone who had a really, really amazing experience and they're really super nice and they like to give credit where credit is due. There is super, you know outwardly altruistic person who likes to demonstrate their gratitude to people, which are out there, but they make up a small part of the population. And then that'd be me. That'd be me right here. That's that's me. Well that's and I then I like elite, writing, I like eating, I'm on Yelp. Deal with it. Yeah. Uh Every Yelp elite, with a, he's an elite Yelper right here. Great experience. <laughs> I, I am an elite yeah, I, I'm an I, I'm an elite Yelper. I can't even say it. I'm I'm a, go ahead. Elite with emphasis on eat. Elite with an emphasis on eat. That's good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was I was talking about this and and or, or their elite writers like Gordo who they just like to share their opinions with everyone and. Well, and I like to have a sense of humor on there. Nobody has a fucking sense of humor on there. You are Ever. great on Yelp, by the way. You are no great one on has Yelp. a sense of humor on there. Everybody's just like raging about some bad order they got, or mm-hmm. like they're they're waxing you know philosophical about a you know fucking marrow or some shit. It's like okay, well, great, you know, you can do that, but I would rather just like create like kind of a fun little quip about barbecue. Yeah, no, you know? D- Gordo, I love you on Yelp. We've we've read your Yelp review on Fire on the Mountain on the show before, which I I really think people should check out. Um, but banjo it, music underneath it. It's really, it's really nice. It's quite nice. The, the the point I'm making is like a vast majority of the people who eat there are not going on Yelp. They're not going on Google. They're not sending feedback back. And I feel like most of the people, and I think this number is increasing by the day, are afraid to engage in public discourse because of the implications that it has. And in the way that, like, what someone types on a screen affects your brain in the same way as if they said it to you directly. And being piled on by 20 ideologues in a fucking comment section dumpster fire psychologically feels the same as if, 20 people jumped on you in a in an alley and started kicking your ass like that your your fight or flight or freeze response gets engaged in those situations and i'm really really like deeply concerned so i'm like trying to stimulate like a real discussion across our community our scene about what's it going to take for us to pull out of these platforms, still be able to manage our businesses, still being able to manage our bands and, 
and and reach people, but not come back to them until these these issues are are handled. I'm I'm really yeah. I think I think it's the worst. Like I, I I think it's man I think it's like just probably below climate change as something that like we need to deal with. It's like like, it's like we need to psychological de- climate change. It's cultural climate change, dude, and it's like it happens so rapidly and so chaotically, and it just gets steered and controlled and has like it's not like you get in a fight with someone on the internet and it doesn't have any real world effects. It does because there's a giant collective fight going on that is just it's it's changing the world all the time sometimes for the better but a lot of times not you know yeah i can feel that i mean i feel that reading the news like even if trying to avoid even like social dictated news like something like reddit right? right like you read reddit and you're like oh that's cool you know this is what people have all agreed is important to look at today and then you start looking at it and there's companies that you can pay 25 bucks to influence your post on Reddit so that it hits certain front pages and then they'll go ahead and they'll purchase accounts and have real people go in there and add whatever flavor of conversation you want into the comment section with the goal of getting that comment to the top of the comment section so that it changes the discourse. So like if you apply that to political means, there's a bunch of people on the right, a bunch of people on the left with these armies of fake and real accounts of people that are getting paid five bucks a post, something like that trying to influence even the conversation around the article on Reddit so that they can either discredit what the article is saying, reinforce what the article is saying, or change the conversation to something else completely that's going to fire oh, yeah. people up in a totally different way. Yeah, and the um, the ideological bent of the actual corporation, the people behind the platform, you know, there was something, uh, what was it that happened on Reddit? Not too long ago, like a like basically a bunch of a bunch of the people shut down a bunch of um, right wing subreddits or something like that. I, I heard something about that. Oh yeah, 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 that was a little while back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens a lot, and in like their their justification there is that they have data models that show that those are full of like a lot of racist people doing a lot of like kind of icky, scary things. And there, what happens there is that like there used to be really icky places in Reddit where you could go be as racist, sexist, whatever you want, whatever your flavor of ism is, you could go be there unabashedly. And eventually those got shut down. So all the users of that place ended up moving into kind of like the next level up of place that they could hang out. And that would be socially acceptable to do until the point that they're in kind of mainstream subreddits is what they're called. Mainstream areas influencing in that way that we talked about before by changing the conversation slowly more to those gross areas of, of acceptability right. radicalizing it in people hu- and whatnot right and the big thing is that they mask it in humor where it's like what you don't like this you don't like funny like you're 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 sticking the mud which that actually has like a huge uh, effect on people and they wouldn't even realize it is that that cloak of humor is a great cloak to get some of these worse ideas through i mean that was the, the Nazis did that in a lot of their propaganda posters. You right, look at it, right. Like, a lot of the propaganda films, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's been tried and true. And I'm not saying that everything that's funny and offensive is trying to change your mind on something. But it's almost to the point you have to be vigilant about all this stuff and look at it and be like, is this actually 
like making a point or is it trying to convince me of something subconsciously? It's so fucking gross that you have to look at everything <laughs> like that instead of just like having a good time wasting 20 minutes on the internet. Yeah, it gross is the best word ever for that whole situation. Right. Gross. It's disgusting. Yeah. I um I heard I heard uh, Brett Weinstein talk about this and one of the things that he that he said that it, that kind of stuck with me was he said these platforms have assumed the role of the public square but they want to be treated as independent corporations and it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too in that situation it's like if you are functionally the town square then it then it's got to be something that's regulated like a utility right like the the yeah. phone company or the electric you know, the electrical comp- company there there's got to be some sort of regulation if it is in fact changing public discourse if it's if it's if it is responsible for movement of policy, if it is if it is responsible for, uh, so, you know, the changing of social norms, which it provably is, it you know it needs to be treated like that. Uh, dude, we're getting really close to your your heart out, and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so I would like to pick this conversation up again if you. I mean, are you available next week to do a full episode? That would be really cool. Do you normally do it on Mondays at 3 p.m.? Yeah, but we, I mean, we can do it later if you want to. We can get together and schedule yeah. something. I would love to because I could talk about this crazy bullshit forever. Um, and I, I really appreciate your perspective on it, Aaron, because you are a unique thinker and you are, you're a macro thinker. So you're able to look at all these kind of like disconnected pieces and draw connections that a lot of us aren't able to see. And I think that that's that's something really important. I'd love to pick this up next week. Well, what I'm fascinated Uh, with, what I'm fascinated with, here's the thing, man. I just want peace on Earth. Like, I'm a fucking hippie at heart, man. I want peace on Earth. I want human beings to thrive. Here we go with the hippie shit again. No, I want the world world to get better and better. You know what I mean? I want want (laughs) to see humankind actualize its greatest potential like that's really what i want you know and i'm tearing up as i'm talking about it because that's seriously what i want yeah and And whenever i I see us whenever i see us misstepping or falling short you know like the literal etymological background of sin is to miss the mark and when i see us missing the mark and i see that it's something that we can affect a change on if we all get on the same page, you know, because this isn't like, this isn't like we are entirely ignorant to possible solutions, like the problems and even possible solutions. Like we are widely ignorant to it, but we're not completely ignorant to it. There are thousands of people in the world and, and growing numbers of people who are kind of like learning the more complicated in and outs and are screaming at the top of their lungs going, look, we have an idea of how this can work better. Look, it's causing these problems. We need to do something. But considering how quickly information transmits around the globe, it's taken a real long time to kind of shake people and wake them up to these things that are like really, really sending us down a dark path, man. And, um, 
Yeah, uh, real quick, before uh, we'll get together off the stream and we'll talk about um, what's a good time for you and we'll pick this up next week. Um, real quick, I want you to be able to uh, plug the new record, tell us what Axe Slasher's working on and uh, where people can find it. Yeah, so COVID-19 killed all of our festival plans, killed all most plans, so we're putting out a live album. It was recorded December 7th at the Bluebird Theater here in Denver, recorded by Matt Kogel, who is a live sound engineer for Slayer, mixed by Steve Goldberg, who is the, one of the maniacs behind Cephalic Carnage. Uh, it was one of those things where they just surprised us with the recording that night and said, hey, you got to check this out. Uh, I listened to it. It's by far the best set we've ever recorded. Uh, really represents seeing the band live. Album's called Dead Alive. It's out on Halloween. You can purchase it at axeslasher.bandcamp.com. Uh, and it'll be on Halloween. It'll hit Spotify. It'll hit Deezer. It'll hit whatever weird device you like to listen to music on. It'll be there. You can pre-save it almost anywhere, but check out axeslasher.bandcamp.com. Pick up Dead Alive. We're selling it on vinyl. We're selling it on digital. We're selling a special vinyl package that has a poster from that night where we performed the Violence and Havoc. So if you want to get yourself a bootleg violence poster, we got a package with that in it. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, I heard that sh- I heard that show was amazing and Kogel and Goldberg are masters of their craft. And yeah. uh and they know what they're doing. They've not only, you know, does Goldberg have his experience and he did uh the Thieves of Thunder record, by the way. Um Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, like tons of playing experience, but they, you know, those guys have worked thousands of shows. They know they yeah. know what it's supposed to sound like. We're truly masters of their craft. Shout out to both of them. Um, I'm really excited, man. I wish I had been at that show, um, but now I get to give it a listen. Uh, let's uh, let's get together off the stream and um, we'll pick this up, man. I'm sorry I did a last minute booking. The the truth is, dude, and I'll be I'll be perfectly honest with you guys is like I have been so concerned with the world that I have just been like too sad to have the energy to to like book guests for this thing. I am like that I'm that shaken with the world right now. I really am. But but these I conversations are really really important, you know? Like I mean like I feel like this this was a good conversation about all this stuff, you know. Yeah. Dude, and, we're and in the I middle think there's of a much more pandemic out. in the middle of a global pandemic in the middle of what feels like perhaps the next civil war, like all these things need to factor in when we're looking at our productivity and going like, I just didn't get done what I wanted to this week. Like, no shit, man. Shit's yeah. kind of bad. And well, I knew I had to show and up and do bad the work. About it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew, I knew I had to at least show up. That's the important thing. It's like, I didn't book a guest. I hit you up last minute and I was like, I have to at least show up and do the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? You did and, it. Yeah. Pulled it off. We had a show. I appreciate you coming in, coming in a pinch, man. I love you lots, Justin. It's great to see you. Good face. to see you, Justin. Yeah, yeah. Good seeing you, Gordo. Aaron, love you to death. Yeah, uh, I'll see you next week, man. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll talk next week, Gordo. Love you lots, man. I appreciate you showing up and uh, and uh, and jumping on the episode, man. How are you? I guess you and I can I could shoot the shit for a minute. Well, sure. Why uh, not? See yeah, guys. yeah, not? yeah. See you, Justin. Take it easy, Justin. Thanks, bud. Let me see. I well, I'll tell you. Uh, I I got to tell you something. I I share your pain in uh, dealing with everything that's going on right now. It's a fucking. It is just. I, I mean, it's it's kind of a daily uh, 
I don't know, like what 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 would you call it? Like if, when you don't have a daily affirmation, but you have a daily conflagration. I guess we're having a daily conflagration. Everything is on fire again for a different reason today. And um, it, and it is a total shit show, and things are out of place and completely not right. They probably won't be back to where they were, and we don't know what that's going to look like. It's all fucked up. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. Like I've I've had you know I've I'm seeking some you know some mental health uh, expertise you know on my own. I'm trying to figure out my path forward through all this stuff. It's really difficult. It's not easy. Um, there's there's a lot of people that are struggling a lot more than I am, you know, with 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 all sorts of things right now, you know. Right. So so I don't know. Like I, I have to try and find something positive every day because I I hit a real I hit a real low point recently. I hit a real 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 bad low point, and um, you know, not not to get into it too much, but like you know, it's like you think you have like you're like you, you kind of steal yourself for these moments, and you and you know it's a ride, and you're going up and down, and you're you know like things under normal circumstances are like up and down, and and maybe you feel great about it, and then you feel bad, and this this whole situation, this pandemic, and all this all this uh, this strife and destabilization that's going on right now in the world is like. It it really accentuates that. It makes the peaks really a lot lower. Like right. you know, like <laughs> everything kind of lowers down. All the hills and valleys that you usually do. It's right. like now it's down here. Now it's down here. And and so you, your highs aren't as high. And but and your lows are way lower. And so right. you know everything is 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 fucked up. And I've I have so I've come so close to just giving up on so many things. <laughs> so you know. So here's, I mean, so, yeah, the, the the whole, the daily. I mean, and it is an it is a daily affirmation. It's a daily affirmation of uncertainty, chaos, and and uh, and yeah, and just in, insanity and derangement. And I so it is it is an affirmation constantly coming in, and it's I mean it's part of one of the reasons that I'm like looking for solutions as to how to focus my attention most effectively without hiding from the world. Right. You know, right. while still, I mean, I want to stay engaged and informed. And, you know, I'm an armchair social scientist. This is a hobby. I'm, I'm fascinated with this stuff. I really am. I'm reading, um, I just started, uh, I, I sent you a screenshot of it. I started The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. Right, right, right. And, I mean, it's a, it's a super, you know, it's a super fun uh, fun book. I mean, it, I say fun. It's a real fun book, but you know, because it it is about social destabilization to a degree, and it's you know, it's about crowd think and things like that. But Douglas Murray is a pretty uh, interesting writer, and he reads his own book, so he put, puts the intended inflection on everything, you know. But uh, so, I mean, I am in, in. I do enjoy this stuff to a degree. And I do have, you know, so many things to be thankful for. And I, you know, I see my little boy every day and I see my wife every day and I got a great job and I got all these things to be grateful for. But it is hard to look at even the unbiased, like I have to the maximum degree possible tried to remove ideological bias from my news stream. 
You know, you can't completely yeah, eliminate that's hard bias. To do. That's but, a real hard thing to do. You know, so I use I use ground news to try and like get an idea of everything that's going on, but it's like still you see the world on fire. Still you see people screaming in each other's faces. Still you see people, you know, dying. You see polarization like never before. Like it, even if you are looking at it through an the the maximally unbiased lens, it is still pretty terrifying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So what I and and the thing is is that there's not like for for most of these issues like we were talking about earlier. I mean, like th- these things are these things are all nuanced, complex things, man. Very nuanced, complex things, and they and they, and they don't fall. They don't fall on a very strict, like one-sided diagnosis. It just doesn't work. I mean, just that's that's not how I see the world, at least. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, right. I don't look like you know. I I definitely identify with a certain kind of, I guess, politics or whatever. But, but I don't, I, I don't really like the idea of being closed off from other ideas. You know what I mean? And, well, and that's something that, like, I consider myself you know to to lean pretty far left you know i consider myself to be a progressive like a classical progressive at the same time i learn other things that that i think are important for people to know and i would be hesitant or afraid you know to share that other information cuz you don't know how People are going to respond out of, you know, to anything that falls outside of orthodoxy of whatever right. the cause is. Right, right, right. Well, it's it's like you can't be you can't be in support of, um, you know, uh, you you can't be in support of a policing system and uh, you know the idea that Black Lives Matter at the same time. Like I actually, one of like my neighbors hung both flags that. outside of their house. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, actually. What the I, funniest I mean, the, part is that the flags are made by the same company. So there's a, <laughs> you know, I mean, they look made the in same. Vietnam. They look, yeah, right. They, they're like, they're like, oh, we, we got, we've got this flag. We got to make the other flag too. Which one do you sell more of? Believe it or not, we sell about the same amount of both. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just like there's, I don't know, there's there's uh, there there's so much more that goes into uh, to all of these ideas and 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 to bring it down to polarization is just it's such a sad and uh, you know may, maybe it was an inevitable thing but it seems like we got here pretty fucking quick. Um, yeah, you know, and, and social media is a, a huge part of that. Well, there ends up. It's like what ends up happening is agreed upon social norms can change overnight. You know, like you look. Okay, you look at like a statement, like, like look at a statement like "All Lives Matter," right? Which I think, as just a concept, I think that pretty much everyone could agree upon. But because of the manner in which it was used and because of the reaction to the manner in which it was used, that statement has been like, like removed from the vernacular. It has been removed from the canon. 
You know, it's something that it's like, don't say it, don't think it. If you do say it or you do think it, you have basically established what side of of history you want to be on. You've basically decided what side of the argument you want to be on. That's just an example of like how these things can change overnight and can create kind of a puritanical environment, you know, in which people are afraid to step outside of the clearly drawn boundaries of whatever the argument is. You know, it's like basically whatever your talking points are, whatever your rhetoric is, that is your way of swearing allegiance to a side. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, and, you know, as far as like uh, any discussion of like, you know, policing, like we're in the middle of right now and we'll probably be in the middle of for a while. Like, I mean, I, you know, this whole thing about police brutality and um, intimidation and harassment, um, it's like, yeah, you know, like depending on your experience with police, you can, you, you can see you can see a side of that issue where it's just like, well, if you choose to to really make it about the police and not about the decisions that that particular police person made in the right. moment, um, and you're extrapolating that out to the entire idea of policing or whatever, it's like I I, I don't know. I've had I've had both kinds of experiences with with police myself. Right. I've been harassed by them. I've been profiled by them. I've, um, I've, I've had, you know, I've had some bad experiences, but I've also had some positive ones, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not, you can't convince me that, that all cops are bad, you know, or, or, or that all cops are, you know, a, that whole ACAB thing, all, co- all cucumbers are bountiful. <laughs> um, it's, well, know. what, what, <laughs> The, the 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 main problem with that is it's it's a faulty statement, you know, in the sense that first of all you've got the first letter of it, you got the the letter A for all, which is a universal, and it's like it's like really every single solitary person all the time. You're talking about full time all the time, every single like even if they're going into a house and taking a guy to jail who is beating his wife and molesting his kid. Like, even if they take that guy to jail and they put him in jail, or even if they show up and they, they're helping people who have just lost someone in a, in a homicide, you know, even in those situations, like all the time. Okay, so all cops, are we talking all traffic cops, all security guards, all... Uh, FBI agents, all homicide detectives, all the clerks, all the people who work at the property bureau, like every single person in in the entire field. Uh, like, are we talking personal security people? Are we talking about literally everyone? Are we talking about the military? Like, I mean, like the the idea to me about uh, you know. You know, is police reform needed? I think absolutely, totally. You know, that like goes there's, without there's, question. There's no, there's no question in my mind. Police brutality has been on my radar since I was a young person. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, there's, there's reasons for that. There's systemic reasons for that 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 need to be addressed. You know, right? And 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 that's that's kind of 
that's kind of the issue and also sort of in a weird way where I have hope is you use the term complex and nuanced earlier and and you, you and we can use terms like complex and complicated but I don't know if people really actively quantify how truly complicated and complex it is dealing with a system of 8 billion people right you know 8 billion people all with you know all with some of the same wants and needs all with you know and then also all with different and specific wants and needs and and with well, yeah, I, different and life experiences and again, different I kind of feel like that's like something that starts at the micro level starts at the community level what does your community need what what are the problems in your community that you're trying to address right you know and then right. like and working out from there rather than trying to go macro with it and come in from the outside and say like okay here's all the issues 1 through 11 like this is this is what we've determined this is a one size fits all thing that we're all going to just like every community even though it's not a problem even if it may not be an issue in your neighborhood or whatever this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to deal with it that's you know you you can see the issue there you know if, right. that's very very simplistic of me to break it down like that but it just seems to me that at the community levels where we really learn about what, 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 how are we existing together as humans? What are the problems we're having treating with, you know, treating each other with respect, you know, as humans in our own communities? Right. What, are, what are the, what are the, what are the issues that are making people, um, you know, have conflicts with one another or steal from one another or whatever it is? What right. is happening at that level? And can we address those things? Can we address those problems? Well, and, no. and I, think, I think that it's Im important to look at, like, if you look at something like the problem with policing, instead, like, uh, instead of looking at it as a structural problem of policing, you know, if we begin to look at it as a human problem and going, okay, when does this happen? When does it not happen? What kind of scientific and like, what do we want to happen instead? And what kind of scientific and statistically provable steps can we take to affect a change in the right direction? Right now, I got swept up initially in a lot of the defund the police stuff when it first came out, because like everybody, you know, there was this hugely emotional event and my heart wanted to do the right thing and wanted to, you know, you know, it, the, the best part of us got called to anger and outrage and disgust and, and, and a demand for change. Right. And then at a certain point, Things can only burn so hot for so long before then it gives way to, like, actually thinking about what that looks like. And then you start learning things about, like, um, I, I was listening to, now this was a while back, but it was on Today Explained where they were talking about uh, police in Norway having to get three years of training, right? Right. And right. including de-escalation Right, uh, right, you know, yeah, I, I heard that episode. Like, yeah, right, 
And then now, you know, I'm not always the biggest fan of vox explaining, as I've heard it called. But you know, <laughs> that 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 was something that that I that that really struck me is it's like, well, then the solution isn't to defund; it's to reallocate resources into seeing that they're getting adequate training and engaging in their communities and and uh, actually engaging serving the people they live with you know what i mean like right. working in their own community and i think that there's i think there's kind of a weird like the defund the police like that whole that whole statement there's there's a lot of there's a lot of room to maneuver in that statement you know what i mean like there's a lot of things going on there and I think that reallocation is a big part of like defund the police. That right. Whole, well, and that's and that's y- what you it, know what I mean. Like that's right. That's it's kind of a let's have a discussion about how we allocate resources. Well, and you know, and you know? I and so the 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 part that like gets me gives me this little glimmer of hope, and this is this is across all the issues that we're dealing with, is no matter how radioactive the issue because here you and i are you know we're just dudes in in local bands that you know we i'm barely even that right now i just ate some rice and mowed my lawn yeah yeah i mean we i mean mean, like who am i we we follow this stuff and we're by no means experts but there are a lot of and and we're both in a position where it's like there are these super radioactive topics that that we get nervous to talk about because of the climate that we live in. You know right. what I mean? And of because, course. Sure. Yeah. you know, but there are people out there who are way, way smarter than us who are having these conversations and are dealing with the pushback and are fighting a battle. You know what I mean? There is... If I would be more scared if there was only a few people out there who thought about the complicated nature of all the problems in the world and thought that they were the only ones. You know what I mean? There, we do yeah. live in a time where there channels of communication, thanks to social media, unfortunately, uh, channels of communication are wide open. And people are able to connect to each other, and these technologies have been put to good use to, like, you know, there are independent news sources. There are even, you know, The Hill is becoming a pretty major news source, I would say. You know? Well, I, I would say, too, just looking at their looking at their views, you know, and, and, and they're someone that I look at fairly frequently, you know. Right, right. Um, and and I'm like, yeah, they're really getting some, you know, they're getting some heat for sure, and that's and that's good, you know, like that's that's I think that most people would benefit from, you know, watching a little segment on rising or something, you know, like watch watch two sides of the fence have a, you know, like a a reasonable discussion of like today's events and what's happening, you know. I just like, find that you know, so, like a, I'll, I'll be listening. It's very refreshing, to, dude. I'll be listening to a debate just in the car or I'll be listening to a podcast where people are talking about a complicated issue and I just find it so soothing. Like I really do. Like I, one of the reasons that I really dive into these podcasts and I send you content all the time, you know, and, and the main reason is because I find it soothing when people talk to each other. I find it soothing when 
really scary things are out in the open and people are having these well-articulated, well-thought-out conversations with each other about very, very polarizing issues. And, um, And that's like the one glimmer of hope that I take away is that maybe these conversations, when they reach enough people, they will... They will let the steam out of the pressure cooker a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, yeah, yeah, and I mean, and like, kind of getting back around to the the social dilemma thing again. Um, you know, you you do have to kind of acknowledge the positive aspects of social media, and right. you know, ev- everything it everything it's allowed us to do, and the connections we've been able to make, and you know, all the all the positive things that have you know come out of that. Um, but. You know, I can't remember who said it in that in that film that was uh it was like you need you need the naysayers and you need the the people who are like saying, Hey, wait, hold on, we can't do it like this. You need those people to keep kind of keep these companies honest, you know. The the critics, need, I think, was so you yeah, did end up watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched oh, it. I was, I didn't, I was totally I, thought, I was I I I know it's so hard to tell when I'm being serious or not. It's that's my <laughs> I problem. You, I didn't think you watched it. it. I'm working on it. I'm just I I have a problem with that. But but the I mean, the deal is though, is that uh, you really do have to acknowledge, okay, like here's the here's the good things we can do with it because going forward, if we can actually make these changes and regulate it, like they were discussing, you know, you can keep that good stuff and right. maybe just you know temper down all of the bad effects this is having on our you know social fabric. It's just because it's just doing some just shitty things to us as people it really is and it's the problem is is that it makes the parts that we don't like worse like the things that like okay if you just look at it on the political spectrum all right it makes the things that the right dislikes about the left seem more magnified Uh like like you know what i mean and it makes the things that the left dislikes about the right more magnified you know, and because of the way that these algorithmic models work, they turn you into a caricature of whatever your ideological bent it might be. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it turns you into a mascot for what, whatever cause causal rabbit hole you've gone down. And I have just enough contrarian in me to say fuck all that <laughs> i do too i do too you know what i mean like but like, I, I do I too can't be, i can't be i can't be nailed down as a caricature you know even knowing in my mind that i definitely can <laughs> i i like to think the <laughs> you know same what I mean? but what i well, what i find is that i get this i get this fear about being honest about what i've learned or about who who I follow or who I learn from, you know, I feel like like saying that you read Douglas Murray or Jordan Peterson or you listen to Joe Rogan or you you follow Brett Weinstein or like you're interested in the Unity 2020 stuff. I feel like saying that is like a kind of coming out. 
Honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't really, I mean, I don't really buy that. Honestly, I mean, like, I know it's just you, like it's just and like I know the, it's uh, in my head. It's in my head. Yeah, it is. It's it's a structural thing that's going on. That's telling. It's that whole. It's that whole. It's that whole kind of. Yeah, it's that group think kind of thing, like they were talking about in that in that flick, you know. And it's what did the um, one of the people on there talked about, like following people that she disagrees with on Twitter. Right, I loved routinely. That. I love that. Like, yes, of course. Like I do that as well. And like, you know, I I am interested in hearing what the other side of the fence is talking about. I may not always agree with that side of the fence, but if I am aware of the conversation they're having, I feel like I'm a little bit more informed. You well, know? I think like, I think where the because I think that most of us are like that. It's like I want to hear what the other the other guy has to say, or you know, I'm curious as to like you know what are we fighting about today? You know, <laughs> like I want to find out what we're fighting about today. You know, right, right, right. But I think that the way that social media is currently functioning the way that it's currently delivering stuff would lead you to believe that people are far more extreme than that, generally speaking, because most of what you're going to see in your feed is going to be the most animated and like, it's going to be whatever has been unwittingly upvoted by the populace. So the stuff that's going to go right to the top is going to be the most contentious, acerbic, vitriolic type of stuff. You know what I mean? I think that, yeah, and I mean, I think that if if you're having those kind of, I don't know, if you're having those kind of back and forth tit for tat kind of things going on in your feed and you're you're getting involved in those, those kind of things, it's like, what is your like? What does your rhetoric look like? What is your what does your attitude look like when you're having these? Like you're not having a conversation at that point. You're just going back and forth, and you're just like you're, you're trying an idiot. to win. No, you're an idiot. Yeah, exactly. You're trying to save face or on some level, right? Like you're trying to not look like the you know the least smart person in the room. You're you know you're not you're trying to look like you're 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 better, and it's like okay, well. If that's the point of your argument, then why would I believe anything you say? That, that's why I like the <laughs> you know, idea like of a... I just don't, <laughs> right. I don't get it. That's I why I like it. the idea of a dialectic over a debate. Yeah. Because the purpose of a debate is to win for your position. Right. And... But discussion's more, on a different level. It's just a different level altogether. I like the idea of like, okay... I think I understand your position, but would you rationalize your position to me? And then the other person goes, okay, here's my position and why. And it go and going, okay, let me see if I got you right and do your best to repeat to them what they've said, like your understanding of what their position in the, is. And then going, okay, now allow me to rationalize my position. You know? Right, right. And you can have this free right. flow of ideas. And I just feel a debate is like, it's more about destroying your opponent. It's, it's, it's necessarily a competition. And especially when it's in an environment where you feel like metaphorically, it's like getting in a fight on the schoolyard surrounded by all the kids in your class. Right. Right. Well, see, so yeah, because there's an audience around. That's the whole thing. Right. That's that's the whole thing that's different between like like you and I having a discussion in private. Well, actually, there's not a whole lot of difference between 
like this rev and this right now. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but fortunately, nobody watches our show, so it's fine. That's totally not even what I meant, but that's kind of funny too. The 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 whole thing is. It's just like, you know, uh, I feel like we're having a very, you know, frank conversation about this and, you know, it probably would be like that anyway, even if we weren't, you know, uh, going live as it were, um, you know, but, but the, the, the whole idea of having an audience and trying to save face or look like the most intelligent person in the room or whatever it is, it's like, those are, you know, those are, I don't know. I think those are really bad ideas as far as like, that, that, that just, I, what's the point? I, I don't see the point in having that kind of a competition. Like, it, okay, so you're going to, you're going to win this argument. What does that mean? Does that mean you're going to win over a lot of people? Well, maybe, you know, but do you actually believe everything that you're yelling about? I don't know. Well, and therein lies I the problem. I don't know. Therein lies the problem because then the only people who are going to be attracted to the function as it exists are the type of people who get enjoyment from owning people who get enjoyment from getting into fights and just, you know, digging their heels in on whatever their position is. And the type of people like you and me who are sitting there going like, man, I really don't like, what I see going on, I really think some of the people that I see in my feed could benefit from getting some extra information. I feel like people are bullying each other. I don't like it. It's the part of me that wants to like go in and break up a fight. Right. right. You know? But I also go, I don't know if it's time. Spend, yeah, yeah, of course. No, you know, nobody do I does. really does. do I really want to spend the day fighting with someone? And so it's like these two things. These two things are just in conflict. Where it's like, I feel like the right thing to do is to go, "Hey, I think you're mistaken in your analysis." You know, like, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to name the friend. But, uh, uh, I mean, if, if he hears this, he'll know who I'm talking about. And I, mean, I, I don't want to put the guy on blast or anything, but it, it's an example and it's a relevant example. A friend of mine posted a picture of him wearing this shirt that just says, ACAB, even your dad. And then oh, the, man. The, and the text was just, if this offends you... You you can see yourself out, or you know where to go, or that, basically just another variation of what the people oh, are the, saying. The like, ultimatum, the, the, the ultimatum, the ultimatum right? yeah. Everybody's full of ultimatums these days. That's that's and, real. And, and dude, and I under and I understand it, dude. I, I mean, I'll go on record as saying I have a complicated relationship with police. You know, sure. My dad's a cop. I love my dad. My dad's a lot, not a, a of, bastard. You know, yeah, my dad's yeah, not yeah. a bastard. At the right. same time, I'm a convicted felon, man. Yeah. You know, I'm a convicted drug felon. I my life is fucked up because of less coke than you could fit under your thumbnail. You know, I fucking hate the system. You know? Yeah. I have had yeah. bad experiences with cops. I've had cops drag me out of my house barefoot and shirtless and throwing me in jail where I had to like walk home from jail shirtless and shoeless afterwards. You know what I mean? I've had dehumanizing experiences with police. And at the same time, so many of the things that I have learned have 
taught me of seeing a, a different way of things. You know, when you start to learn the statistics and you start to learn about the way video works and you start to learn about the way that that outrage transmits across social media platforms and you start to learn these things and you and you and you go, you know, man, it's really it's really more complicated than that. There's all these complicated things. We need to have a serious conversation about it so we can fix it and we can make society better. And what I wanted to say, it's like, what if I'm not offended, but what if I just disagree with your analysis? Like, yeah, yeah. What if, what if I'm not offended? What if my fucking feelings are hurt? Yeah. You know, because I think my dad's a fucking hero because he has saved people's lives. He's got the medal of valor, medal of honor and the distinguished service cross for, either helping or attempting to help save people's lives. He got one of them because he rescued a TV because he thought some people were trapped in a burning building. So that's a true story. I remember that story. I remember that story. He recounted that one. That's a true story. (laughs) You know, I think about the guy dressed up like Uh, Santa Claus. I think about the guy who jumped up and down like a little kid when he got to come on tour with us. I think about the guy who cried harder than anyone else when they were playing Amazing Grace and we were scattering my brother's ashes. That man is not a fucking bastard. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have this, I have complicated feelings about it. And... And I mean, and and honestly, that's, you know, that that was put out there to provoke you. That was put out there to provoke It wasn't put out there to provoke me specifically. No, no, but I'm just saying in general, it's put out there to provoke. Well, it's put out there. I think it is less. I mean, it, it there. It is certainly put out there to provoke, but I think it's more so to convey allegiance to a team. Sure. And I don't like what either team is doing right now. Right. I don't like that the federal government tosses people in unmarked vehicles. I don't like that police unions cover up for shitty people. Um, I don't like that there's a culture in policing uh, that includes injunctions against mental health or, or, you know, the whole snitches get stitches mentality, like that thin blue line shit. I don't like that. Right. But I also don't like people throwing shit and frozen water bottles at cops. I don't like people attempting to seal cops into a building with quick-set concrete so they can set the building on fire. Right. And I don't like when people make dehumanizing statements like all cops are bastards because dehumanizing people is the first step in it being okay to murder them. Yeah. There have been, to my knowledge, last I checked, 65 officer casualties in 2020. And I think that dehumanizing human beings like that, um, because what some of the people of their office have done, uh, I think that's dangerous and scary. And I think it's... It's making people retire en masse. And I think 
Man, if you thought there were like psychopathic police officers before, just wait, man. I that's what I'm saying is like I think I feel like this this is just this is uh, you know this is really potentially ushering in a worse problem in a way, and I and I and I also feel like you know um, all of this uh, all of this vitriol that's aimed at police. I mean, we should really be. Uh, you know, if you really want to hold some people to account, we should be we should be hitting up our legislators. You know, even Al Sharpton, it's like you know, even like, Al Sharpton d- uh, did an interview recently. I want to say, it, I want to say it was on MSNBC. I want to say it might have even been Fox. I doubt it was Fox, but I, Al Sharpton did an interview where he was like, he was like, we don't want to abolish our police. We want competent policing. Well, there you go. I mean, that you sounds know like what a I mean? reasonable he's, request. He's like, he's like, we want, <laughs> like we want competent policing from a, from a from a reasonable human. There, you know, like I mean, like it just, yeah, man. I just, I, I don't know. Like the the rhetoric and the the vitriol is is just too much. The the, the thing certainty. that sucks is that there's there's such a fucking problem already, and how we're dealing with it is so wrong. <laughs> Right. You know, like, I mean, it's bad enough that we have these issues in the first place. And then this is how we choose to deal with them. Like, this is this is how we're going to do it. Like, this is it's fucked, man. It's so here's here's the here's the scary thing. And this is something that was brought to my attention without going into all the data and statistics. uh, I would recommend uh, if anybody is interested, I'll just throw some names of some people out there that that you should look into. I mean, this is kind of a new position that I'm taking where it's like I'm less interested in waving the flag for ideas and taking the bullets myself. And instead, I'm just trying to point people in the direction of sources that I have found valuable. I recommend people check out John McCorder, Coleman Hughes, uh, uh, Glenn Lowry, Sam Harris, Brett Weinstein, um, Chloe Vandali. She's a New York Times writer. She's brilliant. But, um, God, who else? Uh, Thomas Chatterton Williams. Like, some really amazing people saying great things about all the issues that are currently going on right now. You know, really having some courageous conversations about some really, really serious shit right now. Really, 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 really smart people. Um, but one of the things that uh, I found very sobering is in uh, a uh, semi-recent episode of uh, Sam Harris's podcast, Making Sense, he basically talks about how with the way content travels on social media, even if we virtually eliminated police brutality even if we virtually eliminated it even if even if we had tamped it down to a 0.0000001% chance of of something like that happening there are millions of interactions between police and human like there are millions of interactions between human beings forget the uniform for a minute there are millions of interactions between human beings and there will always be another video of man's hum- inhumanity to man there will always be 
Now, let's not forget that it's even police brutality. There will always be another video of man's inhumanity to man. There will always be another example of our capacity for awfulness and horror to one another. And we need to start thinking about the way that we deal with being presented with those events as a society. Because if society explodes every single time that we see the ugliness of mankind, it's going to be really hard to keep a stable civilization together. Yeah. On, on that note, I would also suggest people check out Thomas Frank. I'm reading a book right now called The People Know, as in N-O. <laughs> Thomas Frank, The People N-O. Thomas Frank. What's, yeah, that, he wrote a what's book. that all about? It's about, it's basically about populism. Yeah. And it's, pop- and it's, and it's, it's, uh, he's got some really good insights. He always does. I, I was made aware of him because he wrote a, uh, a book called What's the Matter with Kansas? And it talked about people that vote against their best interests in Kansas and have done that for a long time. Right. Um, and it, and he's got a really, really good analysis of, of, of stuff. I don't know. I think yeah. most of like Sam Harris. I did. I did listen to that that podcast that you that you sent over to me, and I I don't know, man. I'm not a real fan of his research or lack thereof on a couple things. He has mm-hmm. some really good insights, um, but he kind of leaves a lot of stuff there. He talks a lot about kind of deconstructing the you know Black Lives Matter movement, and then kind of leaves some other things hanging out there that I'm not real comfortable with, but. Mm. You know, yeah. I mean, I, 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 at some point, I'd like to hear more about that. Um, but you know, I mean, maybe not in the context of this conversation. But, but right. I mean, I, right. I, I would like to, I would like to hear more about your thoughts on it. Um, the thing, the the main benefit that I took from it is I don't take Sam Harris as being the gospel or the the end all be all final word on anything. Well, no, like we were talking about earlier, you gotta you gotta kind of absorb right. a lot of different stuff, right? I get that. But it it took me out of my amygdala. You know, it brought me back into my prefrontal cortex a little bit and brought me back to trying to look at serious problems in a less, at least a less emotionalized state because I'm a pretty emotional guy and it's really easy for me to to be taken over by my emotions. Sure. And I'm not alone. We're seeing it no. happen. You know, we're seeing no, it happen all the time. And I think with that knowledge in mind, just scientifically speaking, I think that it is dangerous for us, knowing what we know about the way the human brain works, knowing what we know about the way that people's hijacks can, can uh, people's emotions can be hijacked, knowing what we know about what crowds are capable of. Because, man, you know, we, we fought a war, we fought a whole war over populism, mm-hmm. you know? And we learned a lot from it, and it changed the world. I mean, it changed the world. I mean, like, I just think that with the 
with the with the biggest issues, we have to de-escalate. Oh sure, you know, and I think that we need to also will hold say- media outlets to uh, a, a greater scrutiny. I will say I will say one thing that I did really appreciate the Sam Harris podcast is that guy is a soothing motherfucker. I <laughs> I, I like I listen to this podcast and I'm just like this guy needs probably his own meditation app. He does and have then, that meditation and app. And then at the end of the episode, <laughs> I heard an ad for the meditation. I was like, okay, case closed. Case closed, Sam Harris. Dude, I use I his know, meditation I don't, know, I don't app. care what it's you really think good. of this guy. I don't know if you like him or not out there in internet land, but I will say that guy is a soothing motherfucker. He does have a soothing voice. Yeah. My God. I mean, yeah. you could probably, he, I don't know, he could probably sell me any number of ideas. What, like, what I, slipping in there. Slipping so what, in I, there. what I like about <laughs> what, what I most got out of that episode, and this is the interesting thing, is what I most got out of the episode is at the very front, he lists off close to a dozen prominent black intellectuals. Right. All of whom I researched. All of whom I have subscribed to. All of whom I follow now, and their positions range greatly, Mm -hmm. but they are all pretty much in agreement that the chaos and the violence and the, the madness is not going to help. Right, right. You know, and... And that's and that's a real interesting thing across the board, just in terms of just, like, what we think as individuals, like, there's... There, I, I've seen everybody across the board, all sorts of opinions on that. You, like, you know, oh, we, we We need this to happen. We need things to be burned down, and we need... we uh, People are going to get killed, man. It's just going to happen. And it's like, well, really? Is, is that really necessary? Like, yeah. and of course, you know, like, people who are specifically is going to get killed? Yeah. It's like, and people what are if concerned your grandmother about ends up being among I get that, like, <laughs> you know, what I, if your, what if your grandma ends up being among the people who got to die? I, this kind of, yeah, this kind of rationalization where you're just like, yeah, well, you know, some people are just going to have to die. Like, well, really? We just got to like, tear it all down. Tear wow. it all down? All of it? Which, which people, yeah, which, which people need to die and exactly what needs to be torn down? Like I, I I don't know, yeah. I, I I mean I'm personally not convinced that's the way to do things, yeah. um, you know. But I but there it's amazing how many people are. <laughs> yeah, it it yeah it's it's wild and and it's because it's an abstract concept. You know what I mean? Like it's like you can talk about like I'm not afraid of death. It's like well then you haven't seen enough of it. <laughs> you know like. <laughs> well, and, and that's, and that's, you know, I mean, and that's, and specifically on that topic, like you and I have both absorbed a lot of grief, you know, right? like, like we know what it's like to experience the death of someone really close to us. There's a lot of people that, that haven't ever, that, that, that don't know what that means. Well, statistically, a, on, they tend to be on very an emotional young. level or say what? Statistically, they tend to be very young, right? Like exactly. young people, optimally exactly. young people have seen fewer people die, and that was that was something that I that was something that I realized um, 
you know, the first time someone close to me died was like, you know, you, you don't know, you, you simply do not know the impact of that until it happens to you. You don't know. Right. You know, absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's profound. It's, it's, it's life changing, life altering. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, it can change the trajectory. It can change your entire personality. Yeah, yeah. And to have this kind of cavalier attitude of like, well, some folks got to die. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think that person probably doesn't have a whole lot of experience with death, you know? Well, and just, like, have, you, I, I have you seen the crime statistics in Chicago? Like, have uh, you seen? No, 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 I have not. The massive, and I mean massive spike in, in homicide. Oh, no. Massive. Like, just across the board, we have, we like, crime is going up. You know what I mean? Like, people are freaking out, and it's like, it's like, dude, those are, I mean, they look like numbers on, on a spreadsheet, on a line, but those are individual lives that affected, that had a whole web of other individual lives that were connected to them. Right. Who are permanently altered by the death of that loved one. Like, it's not just, you know, some people are going to die. You know, you got to break some eggs to make an omelet. It's like, no, man, like, <laughs> like it's people are going to die and it's going to to some person that you're not going to see. It is going to be the most devastating event in their life. Yeah. In a year when we're already, uh, you know, off off the fucking charts with death, like we, we really need that. <laughs> yeah. More death. Everybody just, yeah, more death, everyone. Yeah. Not con- not convinced. Not convinced right here. Yeah. Well. Whew. Golly. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. We really went there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> th- that's the thing, man, is it's like I've considered on numerous occasions like – what we're doing here in this on this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like I want to be as honest as possible, and at the same time, you know, I have to take into account that when I'm on the show, I'm the representative of whatever company that I work for. I'm a representative of my bandmates. I'm a representative of my family, even though. You know, I may not agree with someone like Sam Harris on every single thing. The fact that there are people like him and some of the the people that I've mentioned that, like, I've been introduced to as an offshoot. Because of the fact that they have done their best to make themselves independent to the point where they virtually can't be taken down by any sort of mob on on any side with 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 any agenda you know they're not going to get doxxed and their show get canceled you know what i mean right right like like glenn lowry he is a you know professor of economics at brown university man like he is and he's not going anywhere they're not getting rid of him and he is going out and saying precisely what is on his mind and the fact that those people are out there gives me hope. And it emboldens me to actually ask the questions 
because I would rather ask the questions. I would rather come on here and talk with you and try and figure it out in some way, you know, put the word out that, you know, at least raise my hand and say, hey, guys, I'm on board for the win, but there are certain things that I disagree with. Well, right. Well, I mean, and, like, I mean, to be like able having, to. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, just having a discussion ma- makes a big difference. You know, to, ma- to ma- made a difference is... in my. Yeah, made a difference in my day to have this discussion with you and Justin. Like, it was a, it was a positive thing, you know? It gives me hope that conversations happen. Yeah. And I think more of them need to happen. And I don't think that. Very specifically, Facebook is the place that that is going to productively happen right now. Um, right. I don't, I mean, maybe I, because I have less experience with Twitter, I'm not as afraid of it, but I have heard a lot of people talk about their, their fear about the Twitter mobs, and I have heard all the stories about people's lives being, you know, crushed by by Twitter fights. Yeah, dude. Uh, have you read, uh, John, uh, what is it? Oh, John Ronson's book. Uh, so you've been publicly, publicly shamed. Yeah. I heard his Ted talk. He, um, oh, talked man. about the woman who was going to Africa <laughs> and made a tweet and her life was destroyed by the time the plane landed. Yeah, dude. That, <sighs> I mean, that's amazing. Dude, that's not healthy. No, that's not healthy. And I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, this recently kind of in politics and this is something that popped into my head so it's kind of fresh so it might be an incomplete thought and I hope nobody gets me wrong here I don't care for Donald Trump I don't think he's a very nice man I don't he's not, he's not I, so smart I, I, I think he's kind of embarrassing and I think he's unfit for office Yep. I also happen to think that Joe Biden is kind of a creep and not particularly well suited for office the mutiny sticker yeah, I know. Well, I mean, dude, I'm I'm seriously drinking the Kool-Aid on this Unity 2020 thing until I have no other choice. Like, I can at right. least play with the fantasy until I have no other choice. And if they can realistically convince Tulsi Gabbard and Dan Crenshaw to run for president, to co-govern, and they actually win, that would be amazing. I'm going to hold on to that until the very last minute. And if there's... It's a, it's a political cream dream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would be beautiful. But... The thing, even with how much I'm not a fan of Trump, I think that the teamsmanship around disliking him, I think the effigizing of him, I think the, it, and it's so ironic because he's a narcissist. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a he's a classic narcissist, and we could probably get him to do anything that we wanted if he thought it made him more popular. Right. You know what I mean? But the whole, like, we're going to form an entire team around getting rid of the orange man, I don't think that's productive. I yeah, don't but think... that's also, it's also a proven political strategy. You know is what I mean? A, like, is, can it, you tell me is. more about that? Because I'm kind of... It, it's, I mean, this is, this is a model that has worked in past elections. Like, this is, this is, I mean, like, yeah... We're we're in we're in the moment of this one, you know, like we're in the moment of of all the I don't know the ads and the mobs and everything right now. But this is right. but this is essentially a very old 
political maneuver. This is not, it's not anything really new. Okay, well, so that's kind of my point, is I understand that it's a political maneuver. And I understand that it's a political maneuver that works. And I think that we should find more productive ways to do it so that people don't have to resort to those kind of old political tactics. Honestly, some of the most... Some well, of the most effective things I've seen that are like anti-Trump are attack his policy, and I mean I, I'm always I'm always one for looking at people's policy. What did they do? What are their actions? Like I don't give a shit like what he tweeted out. Like tell me tell me exactly what he did to affect change and what and what it did to positively right. or negatively affect something. And like and and all those ads and all of those ideas or those editorials or whatever that are about policy, those are way more convincing than, uh, than these kind of simple ideas. But I don't know, like that's just, that's the person that I am. You know what I mean? Like, right. And that's, that's kind of my point is like, I understand that it is an effective political strategy and you got to do whatever you got to do to win. But I don't think the position of you got to do what you got to do to win is the best thing for the American people. And because America is a superpower, it's also not the best thing for the world. Like Mm -hmm. I'm trying like like, you know, you can you can debate American exceptionalism all day long, but we have an impact on the planet. We have a very a big, a massive impact on the planet. Right. You know, when things are going wrong with us, other countries worry about it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, fuck. You know, so, you know, you can get back to or, or, or you know, the people who might want to, you know, argue American exceptionalism. I'm with you. I'm with you. But but we do have an impact. And what is good for politics is very often not the best thing for civilization. And I just wonder if we can start finding a better way to do this structurally. You know, here we are on our little podcast solving all the world's problems, but I wonder if we can, you know, find a way structurally (laughs) that we don't have to do the dog and pony show and we don't have to resort to those type of tactics that do direct harm to discourse. Well, sure, yeah. You know, well, I mean, and, and we, that's that's what we were. That's that's the the whole conversation we're having about meaningful conversation or meaningful debate, debate, you know, or substantive, you know, points and and having having an actual discussion rather than just especially now because everything's so isolated. That's that's the tactic that's gonna you know, that's going to work the best. You know what I mean? Because like, we're, we're at a point where it's like, okay, we got one side that's doing these open rallies and we got the other side that's not really doing that. You know what I mean? Like, and it's all, and and, and that has become politicized in and of itself. Having a gathering for a, for a fucking political rally has become politicized. Right. And it's, I mean, it's, and it's, and it, you know, ultimately my, core belief is that like yeah okay i think biden's got the right idea uh social distancing yada 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 yeah i'm i'm all in favor of being safe and doing this stuff you know right Um, it's too bad that 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 it has become that way it seems like a a health you know a health uh maneuver is a good maneuver a a maneuver for keeping people healthy is a good one yeah i mean you would you would you would think i I just i don't understand but 
I've never gotten, I've never understood that side of the other, the other side of the fence on that. But, but that, that's, what's going to work best now though, is just like, you know, yeah. Like, you know, the get rid of the orange buffoon thing is, is that's the, you know, just get the, yeah, get your, get your internet. Yeah. Yeah's out. You know, like, I just like, <laughs> I just like the idea of, uh, buffet, you know, uh, buffet style ideology. You know, ordering yeah. off the a la carte menu. It's just like, you know, I like what this side has to offer about this and this and this. I like what this side has to offer about this and this and this. And the people that are outside the side, I like what this person's idea is and this person's idea is. And I think this would be useful and I think this would be useful. I have a big problem with tribalism. Yeah. You know, where it's like... This is the checklist. This is your purity list in order to be on our team. You know, these are the talking points. This is the rhetoric. This is the version of history that you believe in. This is the narrative on all these points. And if you divert, you're out of the club. Right. That, to me, is a foolish way of living as an individual autonomous human being. And our society is made up of individual autonomous human beings, and I would like to see us function more optimally. That's it. Well, yeah, to to have the freedom to be able to do that is that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 that's the thing is, I think in order to achieve that, we have to break the duopoly. We have to break the dog and pony show. Yeah. We have to. We have to. You know. People talk every four years. People talk about fucking breaking the two party system, and then it just—it's like, yeah, okay, we're on board. When? Yeah. What's the plan? Like, I mean, well, there's hope- too much. There's too much. There's too much gain involved in keeping it the way it is. There's too much gain at the people at the top level of this thing. There's too much at stake there in order to dismantle this process you know what i mean like there's way too much at stake there's everything is based on it there's a there's a very by now there's a very solid you know connection based system between uh you know between commerce and 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 political lines it's like it's it's very it's very straight it's very set it's 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 concrete Mm -hmm. so like there, and there's a lot of people at those levels that have a have interest in just keeping it that way, you right? Know? Well, plus there's also, you know, there's a path of least resistance element to it. I think too. There's an inertia element to it. You know, there's yeah, there's cultural inertia, mm-hmm. and 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 it also seems like there's this there's this other thing that happens where. Really good ideas, really good movements become diluted as they grow. You know, a a completely uh, banal example that I'll give is, remember the Denver Cruiser ride? Oh, right, right. When Denver Cruisers first started out, it was awesome. It was this cool thing. It was get together, this get together of, you know, 
scores of people that would get together and ride their bikes around town, and then they would get together in a, a public location, uh, you know, pre-agreed upon position, and they'd just party and ride their bikes around. Right. And it grew, and then it became hundreds of people and thousands of people, and it was, and it was super fun. And like at at its height, when it was its coolest, you know, there's hundreds of people riding around in a circle at Civic Center Park, just having a great time. It was a great party. It was lots of fun. And then. It starts to grow and grow and grow, and it gets diluted, and you know different elements start to come into it, and 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 it kind of gets taken over, and it isn't the original thing it was. To give right, a political right. example, it would be co-opted. like, yeah, it gets co-opted. To give a, a less recent political example, uh, Occupy. Right. You know, Occupy right. started out as this like. Hey, this is bullshit. There's a, you know, bailing banks out. We shouldn't be doing this. This is fucking stupid. And it starts out as this thing that, like, so many people can get behind. But then all these different ideas start getting pulled. You know, these other ideologies are, like, drawn to it. And it ends up getting diluted and corrupted and becoming something... Absurd. Well, and, and just kind of just kind of dismantled by its own differences as, as well, you right. know. Like, well, it's like it's a disagreement on how to move forward, you know. Like you, that's that's the problem, you know. Like that's uh, that's always the problem of any movement. It's like how how do you how do you take on right more more people that are sympathizers, you know, but may have a difference of opinion on how to achieve your goals. I remember like, going, yeah, yeah. Like how do you do, how do you fucking do that? You know. I remember Maybe going the American on the experiment is is doomed to fail. I don't know, man. I like to me. It seems like if there was more of an incentive to give people the bone dry, boring ass facts instead of get clicks on headlines or, you know, in the old days, sell newspapers or viewer acquisition, the the gathering of eyeballs. Like, if there was less incentive for that and we could figure out a way to create more incentive to have the facts be, like, when, when the president is coming out and giving a press conference... You know, the political part of it shouldn't be a concern. You're supposed to be delivering useful information. You right. Know, here are the facts. This is what we know. This is all of it. I, dude, I thought of like, like I wish there was just a website you could go to or an app or something that just like settles arguments. <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, everyone, uh, everyone uh, on our team has evaluated all the arguments. We, we aggregated all the arguments from all these different scholars. Like we have a think tank of all these different people and they got together and they debated it and they put together this argument and based on painstaking efforts, this is what these learned people have come to on this particular issue and settle it and make policy based upon it. 
that would be cool, but you have to you have to be able to make money off of it. See, like exactly, that's, that's, that's kind of my point. <laughs> I, I just want to see that get incentivized instead of how do we get the maximum number of people of look to look at this? Oh, I know. Let's highlight the point that the wildfires on the West Coast were caused by a gender reveal party. Now, you, you That'll said give. The most- You've said the most radical thing that you've said all day. You're incentivizing ideas. I, I, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where do I hide now? Oh, my God. I, it's, it, it's, dude, it's like, it's like if, it's, if a forest fire gets started by a cigarette butt, then all, you know, and people got to highlight that part of it, then the internet just explodes with the, the, the smoking versus non smoking argument. Does, you know what does I mean? Anyone who has a gender reveal party. Uh, does anyone really want to start a catastrophic forest fire? Does no. it, what, what's the demographic? What 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 are? Show me the numbers. Show man, me the numbers. I hope we of, set of, a of, fucking of, corner of, of the country man, on I'm fire. Really hoping we set this fire today, man. I just I'm really hoping. Like, do you, do you really think? You know, like, was it a bad decision? Uh, Absolutely. Un- Who's irresponsible? Unquestionably. Now, do we do, do we really just need to to bash? people that decide to have gender parties right because of that i don't know right no like I mean, it, you may you may think it's a smart idea or a smart decision or you may think it's a bad idea or a bad decision who gives a fuck it was yeah. an accident what is it what, what's the difference between it being a gender reveal party or a fourth of july party or drunk on a saturday night uh with leftover fireworks from you know that you found in your bedroom like what? Yeah, I mean, like, what, dude, the there's guilty a fire. parties will be. Yeah, yeah, the guilty parties will be held accountable. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, th- that's the problem. That's the problem we're dealing with. There's right this now. joke Jeff Ross had. Uh, I saw. Uh, I saw him do one time. He's like, he's like, it's like we were walking out around. We uh, or we went rhinoceros hunting out in the jungle, and we shot a rhinoceros. And it fell on us, and we're trapped under the rhinoceros, and we're arguing whose fault it was that the fucking rhinoceros is on top of us, <laughs> instead of figuring out how to get from out, out from under the fucking rhinoceros. Right, right. It's like yeah. a goddamn like, Three Stooges episode, man. And then there'll be then there'll be you know like a BuzzFeed article about gender reveal parties, and then there'll be a you know, it, 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 there'll be a it's a whole topic of discussion now, you know, and like right, it's like, right. That's really important. The problematic, that's, toxic implications of gender oh, reveal parties, fuck, and they're man. responsible for hundreds of deaths. You know, like it's so exhausting, man. It's so exhausting. Like it's just. It, Dude, you should check it, out that uh, the Madness of Crowds book. It's it's pretty fun, man. It's a good one. I'm enjoying it. Right like, on. I enjoying it as much as like. Sarah asked me. She's like, "Do you think this is really good for you? Like, how much you obsess about news and and these like cultural <laughs> stories and whatnot?" I'm like, "She's like, haven't you had enough?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry. I'm fascinated with it. The, fa- yeah. the fact of the ma- yeah. the fact of the matter is, is that as exist." As much as I am dealing with existential dread, as much as the next person, I am fascinated with human beings and how we operate. I'm fascinated with culture. I'm fascinated with ideas. I'm fascinated with the hardware and software of of human beings as individuals and as a collective. And And I think that we just know so much. We have so many smart people out there that the fact that it is so difficult for us to find a better way to do this is very disappointing. 
Right. But, you know, on on the other hand there, like kind of pulling back a little bit, like we do have a lot of, you know, intellectuals that have a lot of valuable ideas, different ideas. But also, if you like, if you kind of take a look at, uh, j- I, I don't know, just take a look at, uh, at something simple like sociology. Just right. take a look at a sociology book. Just take a look at how societies operate and look at what's going on now. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like right. you can you can learn a lot. You can well, learn a lot. That's like, kind of my point. Is there's like <laughs> there's like there's a whole game theory behind it, and if we understand the game theory, doesn't it stand to reason that we should find ways to utilize it so that it it benefits civilization and doesn't result in us wanting to kill each other? Yeah, like. Yeah. I think I think that a lot of it is is that I don't even think it's any one specific person's fault or any one group of people's fault. It's just a it's a mechanism that is run awry. Like I mentioned earlier, Frankenstein is broken out of the castle. Right. And there is too much money tied up in it and the people who not even the people, to say people, the entities that are constituted of people, but like millions of people that make up these entities oh yeah i mean because you're talking about like structures shareholders like yeah corporate like we're talking boardrooms we're talking you know just multiple all the way down to the guys who work in the mailroom yeah thousands of people that work for these corporations and yeah yeah these these entities they're and they mentioned it in the um in the documentary is it's their only priority is to outperform the previous quarter. Right. You know, and it's not that I, one of the best ways I heard this put was in one of my NLP trainings. They were talking about the, the type of thinking that constitutes those organizations. And it's, we don't care and we don't not care. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's just business. You know, we don't yeah. care and we don't not, it, like, we, we don't care and we don't not care. It's just business. It's just the, it's the mechanics of the business as it is. You find a way that we can still make as much money, we'll do the other thing. Right, right. But until then, we're not going to restructure and deal with the opportunity cost that goes with restructuring. Right. Because you're mad about something. (laughs) Or because we're killing the planet or something. I don't know. You know? Well, yeah, it's like uh, the former Instagram. I think it was the lady that used to work at Instagram. Um, She said the internet, like, you know, when it started out, used to be a a creative place. And now it's just just a giant strip mall. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Like, and yeah, it's like, that's that, that really makes a lot of sense. You know, like it is like everybody's trying to sell you something all the time, you know, and the the, the moral grandstanding that has been going on with corporations like around major sports is kind of giving me the creepy crawlies. Well, it's, you know, it's weird is that like, I've been, I've been really fascinated over the past decade of like the number of like 
corporations that are willing to just come out and say, like, okay, like this is what we're for or against. It's because like, they see they see the tie. Like, you see something trending on social media, and dude, I mean, we're in bands. We feel yeah, that yeah. impulse to like, I gotta weigh in on this. But when you it, know? it seemed like when it started, like I didn't really see the advantage in. I, I didn't see because it, when it started, social media wasn't such a thing. And like, a, one of the most, I don't know, the, the the biggest example in my mind is the Chick Fil A thing, right? It's like, okay, so that that basically came from, uh, the, the, there was their what is their CEO or yeah, their, the crazy their old CEO. guy that started yeah. the company, <laughs> yeah, and so he, so he had, um, uh, what did he do? He he contributed to um, some kind of I don't know some kind of was it like a conversion therapy? It was a something? conversion therapy. Th- yeah, that, that's how something I like it. that. Like it's been yeah. so long, I honestly don't remember now. But it was the first thing that I remember like being like, oh, wow, you know, well, that sucks. I probably shouldn't eat at Chick-fil-A or whatever. And, and, and it became a real political issue, and it was almost like an accident. But then after that, it's like it became a thing. It, like, it actually right. became a thing. And, 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 and yeah, obviously, like you can make money off of that. You can, you can gain followers. You can get, you know, like all this stuff. Right. And, well, and that's why we see the trends of like corporations – that have like a Twitter account and they have like a personality and they have ideological leanings. And one of the funniest things I heard is basically they're just doing what they need to do to sell stuff to young people who pretend to hate capitalism. Right. Like they're, they're a exactly. capitalist, they're a capitalist entity taking a position so that they can sell stuff to people who really want people to think that they hate capitalism. Right. Right. It's you know, it's just it, it's just a it, it really blows my mind. It's it's such a savvy marketing technique. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 really it's shocking. It's horrifying, and it's and it's really intelligent. I'm just really glad. I'm just <laughs> I will say this, and this this is kind of back to the same point I was making before. I'm just really glad that this, the cultural critics are out there. I'm really yeah, glad that the yeah. contrarians are out there. I'm really glad, even the ones that I don't like. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like yeah. even like someone like Tucker Carlson is a fuckwad, mm-hmm. right? I don't like Tucker Carlson. Oh. Oh, I don't like yeah. his little bow ties. I don't like his smug little face. I don't like his attitude. But I'm glad he exists. He looks like a little boy. <laughs> he does. He looks like I like I just I, imagine I really... that he's like really into like BDSM behind closed doors and like like he wants you to like dress up like his mom and beat him with a paddle or something. Yeah, I think I think that really what's behind a lot of his extreme statements is is he's just misunderstood. He feels like he's misunderstood. He's it's like God damn it, I am not a little boy. Look, I am a strong man. Look, I am a man with do. strong opinions. I, I am going to prove to you how strong of a person I am. Okay, I am not <laughs> a little boy. Not a little boy. It, like I just I guess what I mean is is I like that that individuals like that exist because. They are like the opposing force, right? You know what I mean. Like s- d- people need to well, go. We've always, we've always had that kind of back and forth, right? You know what I mean. We've always had it. It's not like it's brand new. I think. I think what's getting. Con- <laughs> I, I think where the concern is, though, is that the rudder, the 
the, the, the rudder of thought, because of how rapidly we're like, because of how polarized, like because of the degree of magnitude to which we become polarized, that it's no longer functioning as a rudder. Because they're not pushing off of each other. They're just taking their sides and preparing for collision. Right. Preparing right. for war. It's like, it's like, this is our side, and we're at war with that side. And we're going to trample over everyone between here and there. You yeah. Know, that's where it gets scary. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. That's what I just I think it is scary to see, and that's that's the other thing that's like really weird about just this whole advent of social media in general is that like being able to access the number of people's opinions and fears and thoughts, emotions, whatever, like having that access and just having it just completely bottlenecked all the time, like it's just it's it just seems so fucking just. I mean, it is too much, man. It is it is literally, yeah. literally too much. Yeah, our brain's not evolved for it. I love that part where they were saying, like, our technology has evolved one could, uh, quadrillion times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that graph that was just like... <laughs> like yeah. It's like, holy fuck, it's basically a wall. Yeah, yeah, just straight <laughs> up. And then it's like actual human evolution is like... We're taking our time. We're taking our time over here. Taking our time. Yeah. Lose a few teeth, gain a few teeth. All right. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a pretty... Like, because I... I could see the argument of like, well, we'll adapt to the technology. You know, people said the same thing about the printing press and people said the same thing about radio. Like, I can see the logic in that argument. But when you look at quadrillion times, like our computing power has increased quadrillion times, that's like, I don't know, man. I don't know if we can catch up with that. I I know. And that's, and I mean, and kind of actually to bring it back around to a discussion about music, in the internet. Oh yeah, it's we're like, in bands, aren't we? I remember like <laughs> that's right. That's like we 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 were in bands once. Yeah, our um, music podcast <laughs> has has turned into the last radio station of the pre-apocalypse. I remember listening actually I'm going to look it up right now. It's this important. Okay. So like I remember reading an article called The Long Tail about Yeah. Did, did, did you ever read that? Of course. The long t- ago. Dude, and it that was a, changed it was the about, way I thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It changed. I mean, I, yeah, I think if you're, yeah, I mean, you know, we've both been in this game for a while. So, yeah, like, I mean, the the idea of the long tail instead of the, the short one, you know, the big right. short one, it's a long, it just moves. Just uh, there's it works with that thousand true fans model, exactly. Where, where, where basically, like, like, if you can get a thousand, like basically, if you can get a thousand Joey's, right, right, you can have a sustainable career off of that, right? And 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 that you're gonna have an audience that the size it needs to be, or whatever. Like, you know, the the right. logic that goes along with that, it's like, you know, like we're not gonna have these huge earth shattering, like, you know, top artist, you know, just fanatically followed by everyone we're going to have a lot of a lot of smaller acts instead you know a lot of smaller acts that make up the the landscape of entertainment and that's what the sales are going to represent that's what they're going to look like you know and that's what that's what the whole game is going to look like going forward and it's like 
that's also an interesting social model, you know? It's right. an interesting social model. It's like, you know, but what's happened kind of is the reverse. It's like we've made this huge, like, we've made things this huge. It's like this, okay, like, you're over here or you're over here. And there's a lot of people that are on both sides, you know? Instead of it being like, oh, well, I'm I'm kind of in this little bubble of thought and creativity or whatever over here and and no like i like kind of like what these guys have to say and like and it's a bunch of little things going on it's like no it's like now you have it's like we're the polarization effect that has mm-hmm. taken place because of this you know a lot because of the social media is just like it's it's fucking amazing when you look at that when i think about that model i think back about that and i'm like wow man it's so democratizing whoa you know and and like all the thoughts that i had you know like that's super cool you know and and then like looking at where things have landed now it's like there are a lot of parts of that that have actually come true mm-hmm. like there are a lot of parts of that that have actually come true but then there's some really bad things that have worked in the complete opposite way <laughs> right 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 no totally yeah man <laughs> yeah man I, I am I think that I think the, the the people are becoming aware of the matrix to a degree you know I oh, think yeah. I think the fish are starting to see the water a little bit yeah you know I think we're seeing more and more people who are recognizing you know hey you know for a while I thought I was the only one who wasn't this extreme and and had kind of nuanced and complicated ideas on things and had questions about things. But I was talking to this guy at work, and he thinks it too. And I was talking about a buddy of mine, and he kind of quietly checked both ways and then said, you know, he's <laughs> kind of confused too. And then I keep connecting with all these people, and then... You know, I was listening to this podcast where a guy said it and this podcast where a guy said it. And then I saw this. So, like, I think people are starting to connect the dots a little bit. Well, I hope so. I, I think that's one of the good parts of this of this film that we that we just watched. Um, like, it, it really makes a good point of being like of, of asking you, like, to be aware of, like, how how things are being peddled to you, how how people are making money off of you, how. Uh, you know how you're being i don't know kind of like coddled and uh gently pushed into a certain kind of like right. revenue generating behavior right. and like it's and and just starting to recognize like I, I i really like that point about it. it's just like about how we need to recognize oh yeah, like I'm being sold something or I'm being like I'm being asked to spend this much if time you're not of paying engagement. for the product, you are the product. That exactly. It's like yeah. I'm trying to get my eyes on this thing for as long as they want or whatever. You know, like that whole thing is like, yeah, like really think about how you're being manipulated by the media, you know? Like right. think about it like not the, you know, like the media media, but the the medium, the medium, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, of social media. Yeah, I um you know, so, some of the big things that uh, that that jumped out for me were, you know, I, or, or was how many things that I had heard about or was semi-aware of. You know, they talked with Jonathan Haidt, and he started talking about suicide rates and self-harm among teenage girls. He, you know, he referenced some of the stuff that he wrote about in the Coddling of the American Mind, which is 
Um, I've really only uh, gone through the Blinkist notes on it, but that's next on my list that I'm going to go through. We talked about that and the, the the harm that it's doing to young people and 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 I knew about I knew kind of abstractly about the algorithms and the and the models. I knew about the situation with the Rohingya, um, but. So I, I, I was there were some things that I wasn't previously aware of, but having it all compiled and collated, and having it presented in a way, and I mentioned this kind of before we got on. I don't know if you were on the call yet, but the thing that I really like about it is that it created a way of delivering that information that is accessible to uh, the, the the greater market. And oh yeah. And it presented it in a way where it's not just like some intellectuals talking about it on a, you know, IDW adjacent podcast. And it's not just some paper that some academic put out. And it's not just like some article in Quillette. You know, it's it's a Netflix documentary. And to influencers, like... Netflix documentaries are to influencers as academic papers are to scholars, you know? Right, right. And I am excited to see if it makes the splash necessary to turn the tide a little bit. Well, you know what? When I watched it uh, last night and and then again this morning because I fell asleep, I, you know, right. I'm an old man. I get to bed. Early these days, um, I get to bed. <laughs> I get I get to bed, motherfucker. Um, uh, you know what I was going to say is completely lost. I, I, have, no, I have no idea. <laughs> no, I, you were no you were you're, we were talking about um, we were talking about how uh, I'm I'm hopeful that it'll make a splash and change the tide because it's accessible oh, to influencers. That, and yes, thank you, thank you. It was number four when I watched it. I believe number four, rated number four. You know now it's now they're all rating. They're rating. Oh, each. so it's so it's you, you climbing know, like, a little bit. Yeah, it's climbing. It's climbing, and I, I would like to see it get to number one. You know, like that would make me feel good to see that number one. I just, would, I mean, I just want people to be aware of that. I, I did see John Oliver covered the Rohingya thing and mm-hmm. and really took Facebook on, which I thought was cool. He did that a while ago. Yeah. Um, and there were some changes that came, you know, basically Facebook had to really tighten up their, uh, you know, after that, their, um, they, they, they really got on top or they, they at least tried to get on top of that from what I saw. Um, I think that, I think that they, uh, time and time again, they've shown that they can't really get on top of, <laughs> like, well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's of to the a problems, degree, it's out of their control. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and if I mean, they want I think people to keep the using the platform, it, I think it's part of the problem is that um, there, there's this point at which the idea and the commerce involved in that idea conflict head on. And you kind of have to pick a side at that point. You kind of have to decide, like, am I going to sacrifice my idea of what I want this to be to make money? You know, right. to, to, in order so that I can, you know, essentially to pay my employees and to and to make a profit and to make those you know quarterly profits rise or whatever, you know. Even the uh, even the Terminator knew when it was time to self terminate. You know, <laughs> 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 Facebook just needs to go. 
<laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, like, it's you know, it's it, it's very different than than how it started out for sure, right? But, but you know, like, but I I still think that you know with with some good regulation, man, it could it could be a good place to return to in the future. I'm yeah. currently like out of that loop, but well, you know. so so then that brings me to kind of the point that I want to that I want to close on today. Yes, when you have been having your semi-Alaska thoughts about disabling all the accounts. Right. I know you've had an idea, because I know I've had an idea, and I know probably everyone out there has had an idea, and I actually want to put this out to our audience, and we want to get some of your suggestions, and um, if we, you know, we get some good ones, we'll read them on the next episode that we have with Justin. Um, what... Oh, Jesus. Do you think of as a possible solution, like if you shut down your Twitter, your Instagram, and your Facebook? I think that I think the fact that they lumped YouTube in there, that was that was the one thing where I was like, I I don't really I don't really go down YouTube rabbit holes. I don't really like get locked into YouTube so much, so I don't really have that experience. I kind of just either. go to it when I need to. But so there I thought, is a really good podcast about that called The Rabbit Hole. Really? It's about specifically about YouTube, and it's really good. Anyway, please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and now, and, you know, we both know, I know people who have gone down the rabbit hole and have, have, have experienced those changes that the documentary talked about. But I'll leave, I'll leave YouTube kind of separate. Right. Because at least for the time being, you know... We get benefit from it. It's a it's a good place to have our stuff, and I do use it as a tool for learning guitar, learning information, and and even oh, though there are some things I don't, endlessly, yeah, even though there are some things about YouTube I don't like for the time being, I wouldn't put it in the same category as something like Facebook or Twitter or or Instagram. Right. When you think about um, getting rid of all your accounts, what? are your ideas for preserving the benefits and keeping your band going and keeping people updated? Cause I I've had a couple ideas, but what, what are some of the ideas you've had? Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I've seen a lot of evidence myself just in my own experience and with my own projects that the people who are really into what you do and they're, and they, and they want to follow you and they want to follow you like how to, you know, be aware of, uh, you know, whatever's going on, your, your shows, your releases, whatever. Um, I found that for the most part, they will like, they will follow you to a certain extent. Like you're, you're going to lose a lot of people if you get off social media. That's, there's just no two ways about it. Um, but I do like, like, even though I can't really afford to do Bandcamp's model as a label, like late for a label, man, it's it's kind of expensive uh, for me to put all of my releases on there uh, on Bandcamp, and I'm trying to figure out how I can like fund that or you know somehow Have you get looked that at going. DistroKid at all? Um, well, I usually work with CD Baby, right? And uh, and and they've been really good to me. And for it's cost prohibitive for a number for of a years. label to to use Bandcamp. It's, Why is that? It's not cost prohibitive for a band for a label. If you have like that's, that's what like, I'm saying. What, what? Yeah, yeah. If you have like a lot of different releases, if you have over 15 releases, it, it jumps from like a 250 dollar 
$250 a year, which which might be sustainable. I don't know. It's still a like, lot for a small label. Yeah, for $500, $500 a year, you, you can have more than 15 you know, I, I don't know if it's uh, separate artists or, or what, what. What I think it. I think it's separate artists. So, so what we're looking at is like, okay, well, we're under that fifteen. It's two hundred fifty bucks, but we're also paying for all this other stuff that we do all the time. Right. So, it, it, long story short, like I would like to be a part of that Bandcamp community, but it's it's just a little bit. I have to figure out a way to do it so that it makes it so that we can at least break even. That's really all I'm looking right. to do. That's really all I'm looking to do these days, honestly. Um so that that that's one option and like, you know, Justin went over that stuff earlier, but I but I think that trying to direct people, trying to direct traffic to websites has never been more difficult. <laughs> Right, like, like right. how do you real. drive that traffic? You can't, you, you can't, uh, I mean, you need the social media engine to drive the traffic to your website or drive it to your web store right. or wherever. It, it's like, it's... You do it's a release, really, you got to let really, people know. Yeah, it's really hard to reach, the, reach people that are both inside your, you know, people, your group of people that want to know everything and people that are a little bit outside of that, you know? Right. So, so, so what I wonder, I wonder if there's a correlation between actual conversion, you know, like, I wonder, I wonder if we are just under the illusion that, so like, here's, here's an idea that I've had, and this one pops in my head all the time is taking a month's worth of Patreon money, putting it into an ad mm -hmm. with a video that just says, we're leaving. Give them the last money we're ever going to give them and say, we're leaving. Those of you who still want to keep up on our movements, those of you who still want to know what's up, we realize we're taking a huge risk here. And what we're asking is, is for your help um, in taking action on an ethical decision. You know, yeah. really telling people, be like, instead of being like, oh, we don't need these corporations. We can do it on our own. Let people know, be like, we know we're taking a gigantic risk here. But with what we know about what these social media platforms are directly responsible, we do not feel that we can participate in them as they currently exist. And so click the link, join our mailing list. Or here are some ideas. You can go to our you can join our mailing list. You can back us on Patreon. You can join us on Bandcamp. You can follow us on Bands in Town. You know? Yeah. Just like yeah, and maybe, especially if you're one of the first bands to do that and take a stand for what your belief of right and wrong is. Because here's the thing, dude: is it's not just about my mental health anymore. It's about like I, I, Sarah and I are both concerned about our son. Oh yeah, you know what it's going to look like when he is in middle school or high school. And starts wanting to tap into stuff like that. You know, uh, I am concerned, you know, I want to see the Republic maintained. 
And I think that um, social media is undermining the integrity of the, the, the republic. You know, I like so the idea that I've had is just being like being like, here's the reason why we want you to come with us. We understand that it seems kind of crazy and weird and maybe a little paranoid, but but we're out later. Come with us. Well, I mean, yeah, because I mean, and and then also I would, you know, if I were if I were going to do that, I would I would mention I would get into the raw details of it. Like you are. The, the fact that what, what Justin was talking about earlier about like encouraging like like we don't have anybody that works for our band that you know posts content constantly and then makes you makes you constantly twenty four hours a day relevant like that's that's a real thing that is a real thing you we'd you rather know, focus through, on making music and playing I've, shows yeah, I've gone through periods where I've just felt like I I am not doing enough and that's a big reason why is because my social media presence isn't consistently engaging I don't have enough content I don't have like right like I as a person am not interesting enough to propel interest in my band or what, what it must you know, be all me that, I must all be that the stuff reason just gets in your fucking head and that's there's a lot of reasons not to like what it does but but yeah I agree like Patreon and Bandcamp are really strong really strong places they're really strong communities actually for music like music lovers and musicians alike to to meet and mm -hmm. to support each other it's really good I mean Patreon's great Patreon is really cool you can I love the fact that you can for like for five bucks a month or whatever you can get some somebody that you're really into, you can get extra content, whatever that is, and right. and that's usually content that somebody has put a lot more time and effort into than just like, here's a picture of my dog. Let me tell you the story about the time right. I took my dog on tour and do you know. It's like I okay, I get that. I get why you're trying to do that. I get that. Like we're all trying to maintain relevance here, man. We're right. all we all want to be listened to. We all want to be, you know, taken as part of the creative whole. <laughs> But we're also you know, we're also you know, becoming we're all becoming uh, equally irrelevant. Yeah, well, exponentially, <laughs> yeah, just like faster and faster. Yeah, you know, like, um, <laughs> like, yeah. and and also, like, there, the 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 idea of like complete, you know, social media equity, where like. Everyone gets all their stuff seen all the time. Right, right. It's like right. that's not going to happen you, on these platforms. Yeah, but you it's have not, more it's of it's a, not a, it's you not have possible. more of a chance of that on a place like Patreon or Bandcamp, where it's like you've you've actually winnowed down your interests. Like so, so you've got like okay, this is the music I'm interested in, and you know, like I've got my list of of, of bands that I've followed or I've downloaded music from. And it's all right there in my feed and like something that lets me know when when a band that I've, you know, like he said, interacted with, right. you know, r releases something like that's that is a smart system. It's based on getting connecting artists with their audience. And that's right. that's really what it's all about. And all the social media stuff is really becoming more of a blur. It's becoming more of a right. You're just a, part a, a of distraction. the anyway. You're, yeah, you're just part of a you're just part of this stuff. It's like, well. You know, maybe I'll listen to that song that so and so released later or something. I don't know. But if you're if, if you're a committed member of that musical community and you're a committed member of that that artist's community, you know, it's like you you're you're not going to miss a beat. You're going to know what's going on, and you're and that's that to me is kind of that's encouraging to me. 
Yeah. I'll so. tell you what's going to ruin this for me is if our new <laughs> video release is successful because of social media, I'm going to be like, fuck, <laughs> I'm stuck. I'm stuck forever. Like, that's kind of yeah, what I'm basing yeah. it on is I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to wait till after the video drops and then I'm going to tell, and then I'm going to like, if the video drops and it flops and nothing happens and it's a repeat of the other experiences that I've had with social media releases, then I'll go like, especially if I can convince the label to like make some of the refinements that I've suggested for the campaign and it still doesn't work, it'll be really easy for me to walk away from. Whereas yeah. conversely, if I get what I want and it works, then it's going to be really hard for me to leave. But, you know, then you're not. Yeah, then you're not exactly going to get exactly what you want. Not only that, that you know, even even if I can manage to summon my most altruistic self and my most ethical self and go, no, I wanted to do this because of my principles. We're still going to pull out. If I told the label after a successful campaign that we were pulling out of all social media, they'd be like, the fuck. It's wrong. Well, with see, you. but 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 I think <laughs> I, I I really think that you know rather than pulling out completely, I, I feel like there there is a middle ground where you just engage less, and and that's what I've been embracing lately is myself. Like I've been taking that really to heart and being like, okay, I only want to put out content or ideas or you know events or whatever. I only want to put out that stuff that's relevant. You, right. you, you know what I mean? Like I don't I don't want to. I don't want to muddy the waters with a bunch of horse shit. You know, I, I, I just want to get on there, say what I need to say, or, you know, promote whatever release it is or promote whatever, you know, get on there and do it and then step away. That content you know? treadmill is really dissatisfying too. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's really, really hard to justify spending that much time on something just, just to be, just to be there in someone's feed when they wake up in the morning or when they go to bed at night. Like, I just, I, I don't see that. I don't, I, I would not want to see that kind of content from my own band all the time. You know what I mean? Like I just, right. as a consumer, I would not want that. It's like, uh, have you seen Coco Pixar's Coco? It's like, is uh, that, is that the one, um, it, it's it's kind of Dia de, de los Muertos. Theme. Yes, yes, yeah, and, yes. and it kind of it kind of surrounds a Mexican village and the afterlife yeah. and ancestors yeah. and stuff like that. But they they make a reference to that idea of the additional death, like uh, when your name is spoken for the last time on Earth. Right. Like, and I think that there's this like this very human fear that especially when it comes to being like an entertainer in you know and with our with our dreams and wishes and aspirations of being rock stars and whatnot or or like even our like downplayed ambitions of like man i would just love to just like play 500 1000 seaters for just people who just, i don't need to be a big rock star man i just want to play for my people you know that just seems like this like huge lofty dream compared to playing for like five or six people on tour. But um, right. But I think that there's this fear of like we'll leave, and that will be our death. Like that will well, be the last time we are mentioned in the relevant musical world. 
yeah, I, I think that I think that uh, artists are not alone in making a bid for immortality. I, I think that that's that's something everybody feels. You know, everybody in some way fears their own mortality and and fears that they will be forgotten or fears that they will never be, never be heard in the first place. You, know? Have you ever heard the term immortality projects? No. Like, yeah, there's I, I can't remember what I heard about immortality projects in, but I've heard it referenced in a couple different different works that I've that I've uh, that I've bits of content that I've listened to or watched or read or whatever. But it's basically it's like like my son is an immortality project. Right. Right. You know, right. right the, yeah, the band no, I, is the band is an immortality project. Writing a book is an immortality project. Like right, um, yeah. completing a memoirs is a immortality project. Um, a mausoleum, you know, a monument, yeah. you know, all yeah. these different things that human beings do. Uh, I mean, uh, is something as simple yeah. as, a, as a tombstone is an immortality project. But that's you know? but yeah, that kind of. Yeah, I mean that actually just like, I don't know. It kind of, it's it's definitely right along the lines of what I was was talking about. Is like, it, it makes it serves me best to look at the now and what's what's serving me best in the now and what's, you know, how am I able to connect now? How am I able to you know, uh, help or nurture or, or or do something now that's going to make a lasting impact? For you know myself and another person for at least you know for for maybe today, maybe a week, maybe longer, maybe the rest of our lives, and right. then you know at that point it's gone, and you and you just yeah. kind of have to accept that. And the I don't know, I guess maybe it's just like you know, get it, the older I get, the more I can accept that. You know, the more yeah. the easier it is to accept that kind of thing and be like, you know what, I'm I'm I I want to be available more in the now and not worry so much about what's what's coming right you know yeah and so. um and i uh you know while i do certainly feel a bit of grief and i am certainly experiencing a little bit of depression over the hibernation if not death of my public persona and my performance avatar Right. While I am experiencing the pain that goes with, I mean, this is the longest I've ever gone without playing a show. You know, even if Ruckus isn't active, I'm always doing something. Right. This is the longest I've ever gone. No reptiles and samurai, no white fudge, no Ruckus, nothing. Yeah. You know, absolutely nothing. And nobody's doing anything except for, you know, like the, the socially distanced shows or the live streams and stuff like that. But for all intents and purposes, like, like the death of the ego is definitely happening for me. There's there's a death of the avatar that is happening, and it is painful, and it is ki a kind of mourning. At the sure. same time, at the very same time, I am getting a satisfaction from showing up and practicing, learning the guitar, running scales, learning technique. Yeah, being bad. And and basically like having this idea of like, I'm going to commit myself to developing this craft so that I can better do my process and then already have a plan after that to just commit to process. 
you know, get myself yeah. to a baseline level of competence, continue learning as my life goes on, but just focus on my craft, just building stuff and and less about getting people to care about it. Right. Getting getting people to remember it forever. Caring I've been hearing all these stories. I, I heard a recent story about John Prine, you know, who's one of my heroes and and his approach to writing was he just wrote stuff that he he liked. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think that I, I do that all the time. Yeah, I think there, <laughs> I think there's going to be a tremendous benefit. Like I'm getting satisfaction out of the idea of just like showing up, doing the work and trying to just get some and get some joy out of it, trying to just enjoy yeah. the dance rather than setting myself up for disappointment in a inherently temporary and fleeting um, industry. Yeah. You know? So, um, and I'm... And I, I would wager that is probably going on with a lot of people. A hell of a lot I, of people. If not all of them. A and hell of a lot of people. Articulating it in different ways, whether it be through denial or through anger or through, through sadness or through distraction or whatever it might be. I think a lot of people are feeling that where it's like the person that I was when I had this thing is like... I don't have access to them, mm-hmm. you know, and the place where, you know, my social media avatar is a part of a complicated system that is arguably doing more harm than good at the moment. Right. You yeah. know, so I don't Makes know. Makes a lot of sense. So it, it it may be forthcoming very soon, but there may, I mean, I don't know. I can't say I don't want to make any declarations that I then get, you know, different information and change my mind again. I like to always leave myself the opportunity to change my mind. But, well, you know what? I, I don't trust anybody that doesn't change their opinions. Yeah. But at the, <laughs> at the, at the moment, I'm leaning very hard towards... How can I still get the results I want and not participate in the war and not participate in the what what I find to be um, an, an an undermining of the the spiritual, emotional, and intellectual nature of human beings and the stability of our civilization? Like, I don't think it's a deliberate, malevolent thing that any of these programmers created. I think they just were a bunch of nerds who wanted to make something cool. And it is cool in a lot of ways, but there's some things that need to get figured out. Yeah. Ideas get away from you, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Ideas get away from the best of us. You saw the documentary about the guy who uh, wrote the Anarchist Cookbook, right? I don't know that I did. Oh, it's a good one. It's worth checking out. I I won't go into it a lot, but... You want to talk about a guy... This sounds interesting, though. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about a guy who was a very different person when he created a body of work and then has had to reconcile with what they turned into. Or, you know, fucking what is yeah. that uh, What is that quote? I, was it Oppenheimer that um, 
who quoted the Bhagavad Gita after the first atomic bomb test. Was it Oppenheimer? It was yeah. someone. The the I have become death, da 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 destroyer of worlds, right, that whole thing. Right. You know? A creation can get away from you, you know, that whole road to hell adage. Yeah. Hey man, we're coming up on three hours. It's uh I Amazing. expected this to be like a forty minute episode. <laughs> and I'm, I I kinda did do, but that's awesome. Dude, I I'm not lying, man. I've been I've been struggling to um summon the motivation to stay in in the game and I don't mean the game of life, you know, cuz I've I've got a great life, but I've been having trouble summoning the motivation to stay in our world. Oh, sure. No, I I I understand it. I I I feel you all the way, man. I yeah. feel you all the way. Like yeah. you just know that you are not alone. Yeah. And you're you not know. alone either. Hey. You know. Hey. We're together in this. <laughs> Welcome back to um, Sad Guy Stories with Gordo and Aaron. <laughs> Join us next week when we're sad that there wasn't enough people at our show. You know what happened to me the other day? It was really sad. Uh, I'm so sad. I put on a new record and nobody <laughs> cared. I'm so sad. Our new music video only got a thousand views, and then I looked at a video by a band that I like, and they had like... 50 times more than we did. I'm just going to quit. It's just, yeah, it's bad. It's this bad week on there. Sad Talk. We, just, we could just call it the Alaska Show. The Alaska Show. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Alaska Show. Welcome to Alaska well, Thoughts. I'm Aaron. Uh, hey, bud, it's been good to talk, man. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, it, was, it was awesome. It's great. Great time. I love it. I hope those of you watching at home uh, enjoyed coming with us and digging around in the sandbox and going down all the rabbit holes. And, um, and uh, you know, we're not going to wave our fingers at anyone, but if, uh, man, if you feel like it's time to get out, maybe it's, maybe it's time to get out. Maybe it's time to pull the plug on all these things, dude. And just... Uh, and just Re- Rethink your involvement at the very least. Reboot. Yeah. It's food for thought. Food for thought. Uh, this has been the motherfucking podcast. Want to give a quick shout out to our patrons. You guys make the goddamn world go round. Join us at patreon.com slash mfruckus. Thanks to Evergroove Studio, the official recording studio of MF Ruckus and a bunch of other great bands. 70% solar powered up in the Black Mountain region of Evergreen. It's an amazing, amazing studio. Really cool place. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios. Hey, one day we'll rehearse again and it'll be lots of fun. But uh, there are people rehearsing over there now. And uh, and it's, uh, you know, Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. Burn TV, this podcast comes from Burn TV Studios here in the Burn TV district of Burn TV, Colorado. For more information, go to burntv.burntv slash burntv. Flipside music, life's short, make some noise, largest selection of effects pedals in the region. Uh, I need to stop by there and go get some picks and strings because uh, I've been hammering on, on, on my, my, I've been hammering on them pretty hard. I got some bass strings. I don't even play bass. <laughs> I just got them, just to have them. I just got uh, them, and I got one of their cool new shirts. They're cool, rad new shirts. Uh, I got one of their uh, their Rush 2112 knockoff ones. Those ones are great. Oh, dude. yeah, those are good. Uh, Matula Plumbing, 
Matula! Matula! Shit rolls downhill, but don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List Super Service Award winner back in 2011. 1-1's one the one only one. one. After that, man, got all political. We had to retreat to our private groups, our message boards. <laughs> our neighborhood Facebook community page. Yeah. Next door. That's that's where you got to go promote your band is next door. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Talk about like, I, honestly, oh, I, well, that's a whole, we could have a whole thing about that. About mind. next door. Let, let, let's, let's, let's save that for next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next week we'll be talking about next door. Uh, and finally, Mutiny Information Cafe. This is a Mutiny Transmission. Uh, Mutiny Transmissions is a media service division of Mutiny Information Cafe uh, to South Broadway in the heart of Denver. Surviving, thriving, providing you with all the books and music and records and podcasts and and booty boxes and booty boxes and cereal and coffee and comic books and no one has a larger selection of Torini syrups no one no one no one no one no one no one, no one. No one. stop by tell them the boy sent you uh gordo I, I just love you so much, man. Thank you. I love you too, dude. It feels good to dump the bucket. Thanks all of you for watching. Bye-bye, uh, everybody. The motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, Follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 